0: I know a guy in my neighborhood. He came home from work one day and caught his best friend in the hall with his wife. They had all day to go to bed. <laughs> Pulled out a forty-five and shot both of them. Next morning, his friend went down to the jail. He said, "Fred, don't take it so hard." He said, "It could have been worse." He said, "What you mean it could have been worse?" He said, "Man, two people are dead. I might get the lecture chair." You tell me it could have been worse. He said, "Yeah, baby, it could have been worse." He said, "What you mean?" He said, "Hell, if you'd have came Thursday instead of Friday, you'd have gotten me too." Check, check, uh. uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Survive a little, bit check, 20 check, 20 check. Uh, I need to check, 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 bitch. Uh, yeah, uh. shit so real, gotta use fake names every time I sleep. Dead faces, they occupy my brain.
0: Uh, Erica said I never change. Yeah. It is July 13th, 2019, and I nearly forgot how to do this intro. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while since you've had to introduce the name of a podcast. Yeah, like, it's, been, it's been really nice to not have to do that, but uh, I guess this is the somewhat highly anticipated return of Psychology is Dead. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> I guess um still Quentin moody here brock is still doing this thing for some reason uh, <laughs> yeah against all odds brock the last time we recorded was i think the end of january mm-hmm. it was i'm pretty sure it was the year-end podcast for 2018 yeah yeah and even then like looking back on it i think that could like like more like reflects on me and like how unprepared i was like at that point in time because usually we do our um top 100 top 120 whatever like like depending on whatever i feel like doing that year right like we do it earlier in january and i saw and then i looked at it I was like wow like we didn't do that like until february like what the fuck happened i'm like oh yeah like I, I didn't feel like putting together a top 100 and like like completely just bullshitted it until um the day was until like like when we actually had to record the shows mm-hmm. but i think yeah there's like the longest break we've took between recording psychology psychology's dead shows yeah and like part of it has just been we've been busy but i think part of
1: it also reflects like as you've been saying recently on podcasts um part of it does reflect like where wrestling is right now which is sort of the topic that we're going to be tackling here tonight
0: yeah and um i think that like this conversation should be a little bit more positive than i think a lot of my other appearances on like doing podcasts lately have been uh-huh just because I think right now with the topic at hand, which is we don't know wrestling 2010s based uh the poll that over here at uh we don't know wrestling podcast network that Sam is gonna be hosting on the we don't know wrestling forums something that he's had in the works for some time now and really charting the best of the best of the 2010 of the 2010s and you know not region specific. You know, U.S., Mexico, Japan, Australia, Canada, anywhere, anybody can be can be nominated. Any, anybody can be on a list, and I think what I've noticed is I'm usually a lot more positive when I get to talk about things like these, because a lot of the time with the like certain with uh some people that are gonna are gonna be on our list or ballots that we turn in, some of these people aren't as active or as prominent as they were a few a few years ago. So you get to really just like dive into all your super nerdy shit about how much you love them back in a back in a certain year. So I'm really excited to talk about that stuff. There's um larger 2010s discussions. That's gonna talk about like how our ballots are gonna form uh-huh. the themes we expect to see on other people's ballots. How our voting is gonna reflect what we think of the 2010s the time period and things like that. But when you think of the 2010s, I mean, and we, we and we did this when we talk about um the in, what influence and um importance when we did when we did a uh, that podcast. But I think I want to talk this in the, in more of the way of wrestlers. Now is that when you think of 2010s in the way of like actual wrestling and how wrestlers change themselves and how. The entire conversation about around wrestlers changed, at least in the ways you saw it. What do you think of?
1: Like, who do I think of as in specific uh, figures within this field, or do you mean like a larger trend? Like, what are we talking?
0: Like, lo- like larger trends. and I guess we can get like specific figures after that.
1: Um, really, what it is is like the. In some ways, okay. I want to. I want to preface like basically this entire podcast by saying both. We're probably going to be talking about a lot of obvious shit here, um and we're also probably going to talk like old men uh like cranky old men who are angry about <laughs> the world passing them by um and regardless of whether or not that's necessarily true, like that's not really our intention, so if anything gets colored that way, just keep it you know take it with a grain of salt um I'm also like the furthest thing from a cranky old man, like I can't speak for you, but sure. <laughs> Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like I don't think it's um controversial to say that like this has been even more than decades past, like this has been a decade of wrestling that was influenced by the internet and in specific, like social media and the ways in which social media presents itself. Like I think this was a decade in which people um appealed to the lowest common denominator with what they were doing in the ring. Uh, whether that meant stylistically or in terms of like what sort of storytelling they were going for and, and I think like a lot of what we're a lot of what we're seeing these days and a lot of what we're going to be seeing moving into the 2020s, which is a fucking crazy thing to say the 2020s go <laughs> a weird decade <laughs> um, what we're gonna be seeing and what we are seeing currently is is a whole lot of like flash in the pan sort of stuff, like a whole lot of like people, uh, getting their 15 minutes of fame and then sort of moving on into another aspect of the industry in which like they are no longer the it thing. And I think that's happening faster and faster. Uh, and it's only going to continue
0: as we move forward. So when you talk about these sort of flash in the pan cases, one person in particular that comes to mind about this, and we're not going to talk about this person on the podcast. Like we've, we've done a whole four hour discussion on this person, but just in the um spirit of like the conversation where Brock is taking this. Kenny Omega I think fits in this. Sure. Because well Kenny has obviously like been a prominent name for a decade plus now. Kenny's actual run as the clear top guy, you know, like wrestling is has all eyes on him and his next step and his next move, whether it was ROH, New Japan, moving to WWE, and eventually AEW. But even as a really big Kenny Omega fan, I think it's pretty objective to say, like, Kenny. it feels like Kenny Omega's run is over. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't think I'm wrong in saying that, am I? I don't know about over, because, like, AA,
1: AEW, like, they're having a show tonight, like, that, that promotion is still very much up in the air. Um, right. And... And I, full disclosure, like, I haven't seen any of their shows yet as of this recording. So, like, I couldn't tell you, like, how he's being presented on those events. But, like, I don't think it's necessarily wrong to think that, like, wrestling is, like, the larger zeitgeist is starting to pass him by. Um, not necessarily in favor of someone new and cool. Like, it's it's sort of just, like, oh, his, the things that he has birthed, like, the the promotion that he and his friends are putting on is sort of the focus as opposed to a single individual but right um i like i don't i don't think it's necessarily wrong to say that like his day in the sun if it hasn't ended then it's certainly like sloping downward and might pick up again at some point but like right now it's it's i don't know it's kind of it's kind of going down
0: and obviously like we have people that have like bursted into stardom and then um really delved back into uh I guess you would call smaller like smaller roles, or um not feeling as important as they once did, or they did at their peak. And I think that happens with a lot. That happens all the time in wrestling, where someone like really reaches a, reaches a something, and then they gradually fall back down the card. But I don't know. Maybe it's just us in recent recency bias, or just like what we've seen with our eyes and the time that we've been on Earth, and we can't really t- like attest to what happened and the 80s and 90s but more now than ever it feels like guys are reaching a super high level and then going all the way back down not necessarily like they're not being important but you wouldn't think that this person at one point might have been the hottest star in wrestling at least like at least arguably and it's it's not something that's
1: unique just to these top stars either like i um like this is one trend that I wanted to talk about like the I don't know how to phrase this truly but like uh, the the process of a wrestler's rise to prominence has never been faster and shorter and as detrimental to their ability as it has been in the 2010s. Like I think about uh, I think about like the sorts of people who became um superstars quote unquote Overnight, in like the American indies and in to an even greater degree really in the European indies this decade um, and the sorts of people that we thought were like going to change the face of like wrestling as we knew it or at the very least were going to be like this hot thing that was going to run for a couple years like we've seen all sorts of people like fizzle out within a year or two or in the last couple of years we've seen that fizzle out within a matter of months like you and Tim recently talked about Chris Statlander who is like now signed to WWE? Is that correct?
0: Um, I think wrote the rumor is she's gonna be coming into the next class or something like that. At least they had eyes on right. something some, Like that's and and like literally
1: no one knew who she was. Uh, not even a year ago, like eleven months ago. Like in and this is someone you and I both like. Like she, she caught my eye last year in beyond wrestling. Uh, she was obviously very green. Like she's still like a two year pro out of creative. Yeah, pro. two years. But, like, as much as she was just, like, a really green wrestler, I thought she had a cool look. She had she carried herself well, and I was like, oh, this is someone I'm going to enjoy seeing for a little while. And then she blew up real quick, uh, sort of due to the fact that, like, they're due to the fact that, like, guys are getting signed all the time, and, and, like, there is a constant need to pump out not even new top talent in the American days, but new talent of any (laughs) stripes. Um, And so, like, she became a notable name, like, sort of overnight, here in 2019 and now she's signed when she's barely got any like real experience to her and who knows what the fuck wwe would do to her as we've seen with like countless people like dozens and dozens and dozens of people over the last like five or six years that they've signed and done a whole bunch of nothing with
0: it's funny we were actually we we're actually having a conversation yesterday with simon that fit into this in that we talked about guys from that 2014 D class uh-huh. that were starting to starting to uh, get P W G bookings, people starting to take notice of them. And the three guys that came to mind were Andrew Everett, Andrew Everett, Trevor Lee, and Speedball Mike Bailey. And you were like you were there, you were around, you were on the internet, and you can attest to the fact that like the dialogue around Speedball Mike Bailey was like, Oh yeah, the, like this guy is gonna be WWE bound, like
1: really, really soon. Sure. Yeah, like everybody thought that like he was just gonna skyrocket. And and to be fair, like his his case is a little unique. Like he's Yeah, yeah. Like he's one of the unfortunate Canadians who got fucked by the border real hard. Um so it's not like it's not like he got signed somewhere and somebody like cut his knees off. It was just I mean, really it was just
0: like American imperialism cut his knees off. And then speaking of someone getting their knees cut off, it's Trevor Lee. And uh-huh. we talked about Trevor Lee in the sense that I don't think anyone in wrestling would have gotten Trevor Lee right. I don't think if he went to any major company that the Trevor Lee that we know he's capable of, capable of being would have ever gotten a chance. And I and I think that I think that flies for Impact, mm. Ring of Honor, NXT, WWE, like New Japan, like anywhere. I just don't, I just, I just don't think it would have panned out great for him.
1: And I, and I think there's something to the idea that CWF sort of didn't do it either,
0: or at the very least, right.
1: like let him be unrestrained to the point that he got in his own way. Which is, like, not surprising. Like, he's extremely young. And, like, who knows what he does in a couple years. You know, like, there's... WWE has a lot of guys like this who I think um, are really good but who haven't done anything for a couple years but are still, like, young enough that if they progress through that system, they can do some great work and still be in, like, their late 20s or early 30s. Or they can leave and do some great work elsewhere. But, I don't know. Like, a lot of... Like, a lot of this decade of wrestling has been has been like slowly losing more and more hope in things being good. And a lot of that has to do with like people larger companies, WWE in particular, like signing
0: people up and doing jack shit with them. When we like getting back to like a more like wrestler centric discussion, me and you both have talked about the fact that when we think about the We Don't Know Wrestling twenty tens, is that when we encapsulate it in the just this period of ten years from january 1st 2010 to december 31st 2019 is that no one really has a squeaky clean resume Uh of like a solid great 10 years with no interruptions and nothing never feeling like they're being held down or held back or no or someone's not doing anything with them and i think that's what makes a poll like this so interesting is that with gwe i feel like you know obviously you get like something a little bit more holistic a little bit more overarching Mm -hmm. and when you can only go down to this person's 10 years in this time frame it makes you look at things a little bit more harshly you know missing time missing time from injuries uh not be not being booked great for for a stretch of time uh leaving wwe and then being hit with like a no compete clause so now you have to wait to get your feet back under you or back on the indies things like that definitely pile on so when you talk about wwe uh going and signing up a lot of people there's a lot of guys that we will consider for our list that i think are going to be greatly affected mm-hmm. by something like wwe signing them and like granted like this only matters in like super nerdy terms of <laughs> us doing of, of us doing lists like this like, like that, I know that I know I know there's a lot of people that are perfectly fine with their doing nothing in WWE sure but I think it especially is especially bothersome for people like us to like really care and really like putting our time into uh, ranking and rating and like figuring out where we want to place these people but something like people being snatched up at such a rapid rate uh I'll say like the last like two years has hurt some people's cases uh, and like notably like Chris hero has like been super hurt by this or will be super hurt by this by the time like by the time the poll starts right
1: and it's not to say that like it's not to say that hero would still be having a hundred matches a year if he was still on the Indies like because like he is he is very obviously getting older, and his body is changing, and like, and he has to deal with like, uh, the the realities of that situation. So like, it's not necessarily the case like, oh, WWE is is like holding him back, preventing him from being as great as he was in 2014, 2015, 2016, what have you. Uh, but like there are like there's so many cases like that wherein like we we see wrestlers who are like obviously talented, or um, in some cases like unanimously agreed upon as being like great wrestlers and this company or other companies like either don't do anything with them or like shove them into such a specific role that they have in mind that it like it doesn't play to their benefits and like it, it I don't know there's <laughs> I think there's a lot of good in the WWE system in a general sense but like the worst thing that they do is like take the ability to do whatever the fuck you want away from, like, some of the most creative people in the world. And it and it really, it really, like, handicaps guys, like, as you said, like, guys like Chris Hero, who, like, are probably still frontrunners for my, like, wrestler of the decade, but are, are, like, staring down, like, two, three, four, five years of this decade in which, like, they don't do a whole bunch of consequence and really that's what it is it's like it's not necessarily that people are doing nothing it's that like what they are doing is not in the zeitgeist what they are doing like is not in the forefront of what people are talking about what they're doing is not like showing up on someone's uh match of the year list and maybe that's an indictment of like how we think about wrestling and in the ways in which like we talk about wrestling especially especially on like podcasts like this especially on forums like these but like um I think that's, I think like in no other decade has it been like so important not to just like fade into the background as it was in the 2010s.
0: And even then, like, you bring, you have a good point about not even necessarily doing nothing, but just not being in the zeitgeist. But I can also attest to the fact that if I go back and watch Heroes stuff in FCW and NXT, that while there is good stuff, he does have good stuff. Um, there's, there's Rollins there's Rollins stuff I like obviously that William Regal match from NXT he's like super hyped up there's a Luke Harper match in NXT that's really great but as someone that's watched all the NXT from that time period and all the NXT from um Heroes first stint there there really isn't a lot so while I like while we can go through and pick the gems there isn't gonna be a lot Yeah, you know, we can do and we can do the same thing for his last two for his last two years too we can go and pick the gems and we can talk about like I mean, yeah, he's been having, he's had really good matches with Matt Riddle and Hideo Watami or Travis Banks or whoever or, or uh, whoever else they throw in there for, with him, and that's good and all, but it still feels like too often week in and week out, you turn you tune into NXT and you still see Cash's Ono oh doing nothing, and it might not even be like bad, it's just like oh well, and you and you got to you got to the point there is that there's really four years where you can be like damn like chris here like really isn't doing anything. and
1: and, like the thing is like they do that with a lot of people and why it feels bad with someone like ono is is the fact that like i can look at three years of this decade and say i'm i am fairly certain he was the wrestler of the year and like there's no one else i can say that about like maybe hiroshi tanahashi and like even that i think is sort of a stretch but like it's, it's just like mind-boggling to see like the industry
0: kneecap somebody like that. Uh, like I know someone that like we both and like all of our friends get really upset about is uh is Biff Busick mm-hmm. and Biff Busick signing relatively early. Um, gosh, like when when's he signed? Like the end of twenty fifteen? Uh, not even the end. Like in the summer. Like he his last indie dates
1: are August of twenty fifteen. I think.
0: Yeah and. He's someone that we talk about and we think about. Is that like give give us like another year and a half of Beth, right? And he might go down as like one of the best, like one of the best indie guys of the generation. And it's not
1: just because like oh he gets to have these cool matches. It's it's the fact that like he gets to progress in ways that like WWE is not quite interested in allowing him. Right,
0: and it's been really it's, it's been really difficult seeing seeing guys like that be put in positions like that. Um, another person we're not gonna talk about in depth or anything, but like Zach and Zach and we we've both talked about like Zach ha- isn't necessarily bad in New Japan, but New Japan has a very specific vision of what they want Zach to be or what they want Zach's character to be. And granted, like this is gonna be more of a twenty twenty problem for Zach, but Still, I could see someone being like, yeah, like the last like two years hurt Zach because in his uh, biggest work of the last couple of years, he's just been like this really over the top, super hand fisted he- uh, heel character. And the stuff that we liked about him before, the stuff that I at least, I, I least liked about him before, is that he had these sort of shades of gray and that New Japan is like completely el- eliminating that from him. But. You mentioned someone there in um, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and I was thinking of uh, well, this was a discussion we were having in, in Slack, but we were talking about the 2011 Wrestler of the Year, who like the 2011 Wrestler of the Year would be, and I don't, I, I don't, I've never loved 2011 that much when I went and like looked back at the year as a whole, sure. and. I think some of it has to do with the fact that like the um, Punk Cena match, like the Punk Cena Money in the Bank match, is like obviously so famous and so important to wrestling history, but I'm not super over the moon about that match. Like I think like I think think it's a great all time great match, but I'm not like I'm not sure it's a top ten WWE match ever for me. Sure. So, I think that's where um. I differ a little bit, but someone I threw out there was, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Hiroshi Tanahashi, when we compare him to a lot of the other great wrestlers that might be front runners for, um, a distinction like this of being the best wrestler of the decade has one of the cleaner resumes that someone could have. And, and and like, even you, I don't know, you continue your thought first yeah and I, I was gonna i was gonna pass it off to you but i was gonna say that tanahashi has one of the cleaner resumes of the decade and i think that his, I, I mean i personally like his 2011 a lot mm-hmm. but i think you you had said something about you weren't particularly sold about him in the 2010 and 2011 years and that even someone like tanahashi who hasn't missed like significant time due to injury or has even a uh, been pushed down so far in the booking that he hasn't been given much to do, but do you still think that Tanahashi has a couple of years that aren't that great?
1: No, yeah, like even even more than his twenty ten and twenty eleven, in which like he suffers from the fact that New Japan is like really in the doldrums and he's just carrying it on his back. Um even more than that, like I look at his like twenty sixteen to twenty seventeen, um, in which like he still makes my wrestler of the year lists, but in which like he's he's not really found the spark That made his like old band stuff in 2018 really work. And he's suffering in matches that I think like are working against his strengths with people who don't know how to get the best out of him. And I think like I look at stuff like that, in which like he is just struggling. He's just like spinning his wheels and often having like what I thought were pretty bad matches. Um and I look at something like that and like, that is really what gets to me. But then he turns it around in 2018, and he's the wrestler of the year, and that combines with, like, he's might be the wrestler of the year in 2013, or at least he's, like, in in the conversation in, in that part of the decade, and it's like, I don't know what to
0: do with that, you know? It's hard because there aren't a lot of guys that when you go through, like, 2012 through 2019 that... You can say that like realistically they're in the number one conversation like seven years in a row uh-huh. like I could see someone being like oh yeah Tanahashi was my wrestler of the year like all of those years and even 2011 per- I personally I can st- still see the 2011 2010 I definitely agree with you that he isn't doing much the only match of uh, that sticks out to me for him in 2010 is the goshi Ozaki match but like 2011 through 2019 he's a guy where if someone was like oh yeah that's, that's my wrestler of the year sure that it is a uh, something entirely feasible to me, but I think with Tanahashi, um, I always, uh, I always wonder where people land on him when he doesn't when he doesn't have the belt. Mm. I think I think that's something that is going to go for uh, guys like him and Okada. Is I think a good uh, feather in Tanahashi's cap. Is I really like him at, without the belt too? And I think that's something that uh maybe might may not might not matter for a lot of people, but for me, I think of at least like the twenty like the twenty fifteen mini feud with Yano. Sure, think being like oh yeah, like this guy is still like so great even without even without the belt or random tags. He's so great uh, scrumming it up with the young with the young lions on on opposite sides with Yuji Nagata, and I think. It's sort of like a uh, I don't know. It's Okada. St- Okada's still missing that st- sort of thing for me as to where anything he does can be so great because he just boosted with his personality or engagement with the crowd, and obviously like that makes like Tanahashi such a special wrestler. But I love the fact that even in these really small, unimportant settings, Tanahashi still uh, translates so well for me, and. I think I think both of us are some are people that have watched most of the New Japan for the decade, right? For the most part, yeah. I guess now what I want to think about here is our blind spots, and I know I have a couple like super glaring ones, but I'm not sure if mine or yours are exactly the same. So I want it. So I want to know where uh, where where you're exactly you're uh, aiming for to uh, hit before we turn ballots.
1: Do you mean just in New Japan?
0: No, not, not in New Japan, like any, like anywhere, all over the world. Oh, okay. Um, well,
1: every time we talk about, I hate it. I'm such a broken record. Every time we talk about our uh, match of the year lists in these famous podcasts we do, um, I always talk about how I've never seen as much lucha or Joshi stuff as I'd like. Um, and so I I think that's that's relevant here. But like in in specific ways, like, um. There's definitely, like, all sorts of lucha stuff that I would want to go back and get to. um, But I don't think there's anything necessarily that high-end that I missed out on. But I think I would like to go back and watch some AAA. Because, like, they are historically a promotion that I do not care for. um, And I'd want to see if there was some stuff there that I could really dig my teeth into. Uh, As far as, like, Joshi stuff. It's not even really Joshi stuff so much as, like, uh, for a while now I've wanted to go back and watch, like women's wrestling in north america like i've wanted to do a deep dive on shimmer uh recently on twitter i mentioned wanting to go back and watch some mercedes martinez because i think she's someone who like i could very well conceivably see as an all-time great if i had a better like conception of what her career looked like um and related to that it's like there are like like i kept up with all the 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 um i kept up with all the uh Popular American indies over this decade and in the last half of the decade I I think I've done pretty well to dig into like the more obscure stuff but in a general sense I I would like to have a better grasp on like the southern indies especially uh, prior to 2015 Um, and I'd like to get a grasp on like the California scene with like Premier and APW those promotions that I've seen little smatterings of but would love to see
0: more You mentioned the california the california indie scene and more recently we've had a uh, like a p like a pcw come come through and be sort of the uh one of the breeding grounds of the newer uh california talent but thinking of that class before them of your uh jeff Cobb's and timothy thatchers is is there uh is the lack of footage there for Cobb and Thatcher gonna hurt those guys for you because by by twenty fourteen, I think we're getting pretty good pretty good amounts of both of those guys. Yeah. But for the twenty ten through twenty thirteen, is that gonna hurt? I mean, I I don't think you're a, a big Cobb fan. I'm not even sure he's gonna make one making your top one hundred. I would
1: doubt it, yeah.
0: Yeah. But obviously, like we're both really big Thatcher guys. And is Thatcher footage being so scarce? from the beginning of the decade going to be something that hurts him for you. Uh,
1: yes and no. Like from what I understand like he does have a lot of that stuff on APW and that's still online as far as I'm as far as I'm aware. Um, and unless they took it down in which I would be really I'd be really upset. I think the <laughs> premiere stuff is all up online still too. Um, and like there's definitely more out there that I would have wanted to seen uh would have wanted to have seen but um i think that i think that by itself like the apw stuff and the premiere stuff would be enough to carry me uh and it's not like i i think the big thing is like there's not a total lack of footage with those guys with, with the, like this california scene in particular um and i think like the stuff that matters has been championed by people that I trust, like the Segunda Caída guys. Like I've done some deep dives on that EPW TV show. And, and like, that's definitely going to be something I'm going to lean on once I finally get around to watching that footage. But more than that, like I think where footage, the scarcity of footage like really gets to me is in something like Lucha Libre, which is something that you and I both love, but like, I'm, I'm pretty sure you and I wouldn't necessarily have a ton of luchadors high up on our list this decade And I think that would rub a lot of Lucha fans the wrong way because, like, a lot of folks would point to someone like Neruk Casas and just be like, oh, he has been quote-unquote great every single year of this decade. Like, he has to be your surefire pick. But it's like, I can go back and I can watch, like, the smattering of footage that we have of him in, say, 2011 or or so. Um, And I might think it's good, but it's like, it doesn't speak to me. In a big enough way, like it's not, it's not like a, a big enough match, and it's not.
0: Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not his performance his performances, like, and there's like so I've really I've, and I hate saying this because I, I I love Negro Casas a lot, sure. but even in the performances and the matches we're getting, I'm also not being particularly uh, blown away by casas and in, in, these, in these matches either with just his like in, in individually
1: like yeah you, you you've like seen a lot of his stuff before um and like that's to be expected of a guy who's like 50 years old you know um but like i, I think i think one thing that i that i struggle with is the idea of how a match reflects on someone's entire year because like we can look at like recent years, like I can look at a, a David Star, uh, I can look at a David Star match from this year, in which I think he's the surefire wrestler of the year, and I can be like, okay, this is like this reflects David working in this one promotion against like the specific sort of opponent, and like that can differ from when he's working Walter or when he's working Timothy Thatcher or working whoever, um, and it, that gets harder to do the farther back you go and the more scarce footage is. And especially in places like Mexico where like that information is sort of, is sort of lost to time or lost in translation.
0: Do you think that part of, um, like, I, well, I think we're part of this too, but people being such diehard Lucha fans is um being so willing to skip over stuff like that just because like, like they want to believe that someone is the, the wrestler of the year is like a or like a wrestler of the decade contender that they're willing to skip past the fact that someone hasn't had that like that much available to be seen and is that sort of like uh um I don't know I wouldn't call it like a like a bliss like a blissful ignorance I think they're fully aware <laughs> right. like like that like the um, this person doesn't have too much footage to go off of but. <laughs> I think, I think there is something to be said, though, about just being like, well, well, fuck it. Well, I like the, I really like this, this one match this person had this year, so they're going to be top five regardless.
1: Yeah, like, it's, I want to take a diplomatic stance here. Like, I think there's definitely some truth to that, but you're totally right in that, like, none of these people, many of whom are our friends, <laughs> like, let's be real, um, none of these people are, like, just total numbskulls like they're 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 folks who are smart and creative and thoughtful and like they approach wrestling in in ways that I find uh quite admirable but um i think I think people when they've sort of dug themselves into, like, a specific niche. And this isn't just a Lucha Libre thing. This is, like, an All Japan thing. This is, like, a, a Joshi thing. This is, like, any any smaller subsection of professional wrestling, especially when it gets uh, outside of North America, or outside of America specifically. Um, I think, like, anybody who gets into that niche is going to be, like, uh, very fiercely protective of what they see. And... Uh going to be really skeptical of anything that's outside of that field and are going to argue their stuff on their own merits uh which may or may not differ from what like a larger perspective might hold like it's or what like a larger a larger fan base like might value and i don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that but like it becomes it becomes something of an issue when we're talking to those people in the context of like a a uh, a large poll like this but it's 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 also like what makes this fun i think
0: right um i guess before we get before we get off something like that cuz i do i do want to get into uh some of the mexico people that might be candidates in, in mexico but does this become an issue when we start actually taking the poll and we get and we get people that like just for argument's sake, let's let's keep it with uh, Negro Casas or Viris. and someone has Negro Casas or Viris number one on their ballot. Not that these guys are bad wrestlers; these guys God. are like I, I believe, like all like at least talent like talent wise, all time great wrestlers. And I'm I, I don't think it's necessarily like the wrong idea or uh, like inherently wrong to be like, oh yeah, Negro Casas or Verus could like could be the best wrestler in the world if that's how you're looking at it like not who had the best year but do I believe that this person is still like the best wrestler in the world in whatever given year and i think that comes into a different distinction of how people uh make lists like this but do you think that hurts the process when you have someone who might not have um such a readily available um resume to back up where you can go piece by piece on why this person is your number one or your wrestler of the year, because you have uh, X match from whatever promotion to point to, and then another match from another promotion to point two and so on and so forth. Uh, do you think that that uh, hurts the dialogue or even hurts the credibility of the process?
1: I don't want to say hurts, but it definitely does impact this process in ways that I think it would be it would be useful for us to examine um like i I think there's there's definitely like a greater chance of of people sort of uh sort of stubbornly voting for people they think should be higher than they're probably going to get in this poll than we saw in something like say the gwe which had probably a lot of that to begin with um whether or not that's necessarily a bad thing like i I don't know like i don't want to i don't like I truly don't want to like pass value judgment on, 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 like other wrestling fans who are not all that, all that separated from like who I am and what I like. Um, I think though, like, the, like the footage issue is like a. At some point, it doesn't even become about wrestling; it becomes about like economics. I guess <laughs> like, it's, yeah. like it's like it's like it's. I think it's a truth that. American wrestling, especially like American independent wrestling and American mainstream wrestling, has had a, an easier time of documenting itself, especially during this decade, than a lot of the wrestling from other companies, or um, specifically other countries, I mean, uh, have been able to. And like, on some level, on some level I worry that saying something like, oh, Chris Hero has to be the wrestler of the decade, is more reflective of the fact that more people were able to point a camera at him and then upload that footage to the internet than it was for someone like virus or someone like Shinjiro Otani or who the fuck ever, you know, like in, and I think that's something that we need to like keep in mind more so than just like, Oh, this person doesn't have footage. Um, And like, and I, and at the same time, I don't want us to just be like, oh, that means that like all these, all these foreign wrestlers should have like these handicaps and like they should be, they should be moved up five spots higher on this list than they were automatically. I don't know. Like it's, I don't know how to fix that problem, but I think it's, again, it's, it's like something that like we should examine as we move through this process.
0: I do like the fact that you, uh, took a pivot. to what could be considered, um, maybe like economic, like an economic, uh, Problem when it comes to footage, because while I think it does get more coverage when it comes in terms of uh, Mexican wrestling, it also is a thing that has been very, uh, um, apparent. And I could say is a hurt one seen in the, one scene in America, and that's been the Southern indie scene. Sure. So when we have these conversations, and you're talking about how unfair that might be to just be like oh yeah well chris hero is the, re- is the wrestler of the decade because he has all this stuff available and you know all these other guys possibly being as great but not but the footage not being there how does that translate to say uh kyle matthews who we both really like or and anthony henry that is like he's been he's been a, he's been an evolved guy the last couple of years but he was end i think it was nwa Wildside, like you know but a guy that has roots that go super far back. So how do we tackle guys like that? Because on one hand we have guys that have been in the game for super, super, super long. And that's your Kyle Matthews, Anthony Henry types. And on another hand, we have our guys that are uh, newer and their stuff is on YouTube, but a lot of people haven't really watched it. And immediately my mind goes to a Fred gay high where, um, the first Fred Yeah high stuff that's getting any buzz is 2015. And I think it's the slim J stuff that is, uh, going on. And I think it was anarchy and really good, but it feels like such a lifetime ago because I don't see people talk about those matches anymore. And I feel like people, uh, haven't really like upheld the legacy of like, whatever, like Southern, Southern indie stuff. And I think that stuff, um, comes with people getting busier, um, as the years have gone on, um, a, a lot of people we know like, get, just getting busier with uh, running running promotions and just going being all over the place. But something like Fred Jay, Fred Yeha versus Lum J gets lost, and Fred Jai's entire rise gets lost. And Fred Jai Fred Yehi is a guy that when we um, as we get closer to the deadline for our ballots, that I plan on doing a really big YouTube deep dive on because I, just like just based off searching his name i know that he has so much shit on youtube that i know there's a that there's so little people have watched well it's it's also like Yehai specifically
1: isn't a weird place because a lot of his available footage is explicitly backyard footage and i'm not sure i'm not sure how people want to treat that um and like there are other people who i would be voting for on this list like say a daniel Macabe or even perhaps a Tony Depp or an Alex Zane who like a lot of the stuff they did this decade was explicitly backyard wrestling. And if you wanted to judge the values of that, I guess he could whole,
0: whole different bag of worms. Though. It's
1: Yeah. Like I guess we'd have to talk to Sam about like whether or not that should be, that should be included. <laughs> um, but I think that's like an interesting thing to talk about at the very least, but like even more, even more like an issue with like Southern indie footage than, um, most lucha libre promotions at least is the fact that like some of those people don't want that stuff uploaded some of those people don't want that stuff taped because like they they very much have the mentality of like oh if you're uploading this somewhere else like this is like this is tickets that we're not selling like people are not and to, gonna... and
0: to, and to be fair i I know at least of a couple promotions or promoters in Mexico that do have that same mentality totally so while like I like I' totally appreciated when you made the um, economic point when it came to things being recorded there's also a lot of people that still have that same mentality of Um, oh putting this online is gonna take away from the game what was that um what was that jonathan gresham match we just missed out
1: on was it him and viewers
0: yeah Lucian memos like like notorious like yeah like that like the guy the guy the, the guy over there books all these matches and like for years i've been getting told like yeah if i do this it's gonna take away from the people i bring to my show and
1: i get that dude like i totally get that but it's i don't know like that's just as much as a factor of anything like it's it is undeniably a privilege to be able to upload your footage for free let alone to like have people pay for it like like to have like the infrastructure available to make people pay for it like it's it's definitely something that should influence how we talk about this stuff but like i don't i don't know what the end result of that discussion should look like
0: i, th- I think it's more just a. Uh theory than actually having answers to it because while i would love to be in a position as to where like we can go through like all the Ky- all the kyle matthew stuff i wish man. and and just and just be like oh yeah well th- clearly this guy should have been like top 20 or top 30 of the decade if we were like really paying attention and documenting things it's as history goes on and like as life goes on there's always going to be like those what if people or hmm like what like what if you got to live through it and that's why i envy someone like you know like like dylan Hales or whatever that was really like so um entrenched in that in that area and that scene because the truth is like so much of that shit is lost now right like there's like there's a few AW- AWE matches that we have but so much of that and what was going on is is lost now mm-hmm. uh I'm not I'm not even sure Jimmy Ray versus AJ Styles from like twenty fifteen. Yeah. Is still is still online anymore.
1: Right? Like that was and that was like that that was that was basically the match like that kicked off this entire trend of of the Southern Indies like rising to prominence. Like and, and something that made my if it didn't make my match of the year list, it came close and it was like something that like uh that the AJ Styles Wrestler of the Year um case like really hinged on in 2015 and like yeah if, if that's gone like one of like the highlights of that scene from that particular year then like what can we expect from something that would like flush out somebody's case in in the whole decade you know
0: yeah and like this is why it makes it even more bittersweet when we uh when kyle matthews got injured and his career ends the way it does because i'm not sure we're ever going to be like properly gonna be able to give kyle matthews uh-huh. the respect that he deserves and that sucks and there's like there's a few people that like we're gonna have to like have those conversations about is that we really like them but at the end of the day like through the footage or through injury we're not gonna be able to appreciate them the way that we probably should or want to but um i want to pivot now into more uh, being into a specific promotion or uh scene and how that's going to color someone's someone's ballot. So I'm curious now that we we talked we touched on blind spots a little bit. Is there a promotion in particular that you could see yourself uh, being a little biased towards? But when by the time you're making your list, I mean, I think I I wear my biases pretty
1: clearly on my sleeve. Um, so there, like, there are definitely going to be like people from. Beyond wrestling and from Chikara and from CCW and even maybe from Dra- Dragon Gate that are going to be higher on my list than I think most people would have them.
0: Do you want to name names here? Like because when because I, I got when you say Dragon Gate, Beyond, um, even Chikara, like I, I know I can get a good gauge of the guys that you're probably talking about. Mm-hmm. Your Eddie, your Eddie Kingston's, uh, Yoshino's, Shima's, uh Gulak's, stuff like that. But when you say CZW, what guys in particular for the decade feel like you feel like have made their cases in CZW? Well, you you mentioned Drew Gulak, and
1: I think like right. I, I think he's definitely like he's someone who started up in CZW, um, or at least using that name. He's wrestled elsewhere throughout the decade using various different names. Um, uh, but like I think he did a lot of interesting work early on in the decade. Like he has a a, a no ropes barbed wire match with. Danny Havoc in 2011 that I think has gone criminally underrated um, and, and like there's a whole lot of stuff like that of like him being like still super young but being like a surprisingly effective heel in front of like one of the toughest promotions um, or like one of the toughest fan bases in all of wrestling um, there's also people like Matt Tremont who I think is is like uh, uh, a top tier contender for like best death match wrestler of all time and this was the decade that he worked and, like, it's it's hard for me to think about the top 100 wrestlers of the decade without thinking of a guy like him. Like, someone who did have uh, a match of the year for me. Like, a guy who, like, did, who did, like, not necessarily revolutionize, but, like, did carry that entire deathmatch scene in North America on his back. It's, it's people like that. It's, it's also people, like, who I got to see earlier than a lot of folks did. Um, simply because CCW often tends to book up-and-comers that way, guys like Biff Busick, guys like Speedball Mike Bailey, um, and so it's not—it's not like it's—it's it's never anybody who's who's uh, only ever booked in CCW because I think the people who are only ever booked in CCW are pretty bad. But like, there's a there's a lot of people who I think um, would have their CCW resumes overlooked that I think I'm going to be championing.
0: In that same vein, um, you touched on one of them, Dragon Gate. Dragon Gate, Dragon is gonna be one a, a where I have a lot of people higher than uh than um most people might. I might have some people uh like a Yamato higher than, than a lot of Dragon Gate sure. fans will like. I feel like I'm like the biggest Yamato fan that like that I know that's um a Dragon Gate fan on Twitter. But then there's a uh, DDT being a, being a really big DDT guy. So Harashima and Takashita, I know at least are going to make my list for sure but then there's your Endos and Yukio Sakaguchi's that I'm going to give a close consideration to Kudo uh, Mas- Masasakanashi and guys like that that uh, just like as you keep watching DDT shows you gain a really big appreciation for and some of those guys have had like some of the best matches of any given year mm-hmm. uh, and that Kudo and Takanashi like respectively have both have had like really really like top of the heat matches at like various points of the 2010s
1: and ddt is also like a a sort of a czw-esque promotion as much as i think certain ddt fans would fucking hate to hear that comparison (laughs) that's
0: (laughs) like already that sounds wild
1: but but i'm saying like ddt has booked a lot of people who have like moved on to prominence elsewhere like your your koto abushis your kenny omegas your dick togos who like definitely
0: should uh, uh belong in this conversation on the flip side of that is there a promotion that you absolutely hate that where someone is going to get hurt because you just haven't took the time out or you just don't care enough about the promotion of what's going on to really give someone's work like a fair chance. As much as I hate to
1: say it, like TNA impact might be that for me. Like not to say that like I loathe the promotion or anything, but like, If somebody, if somebody's case is going to be made or broken off the basis of what they did in TNA, I think I'm just not going to bother because there's just like, I, it's not to say that they've, they put on all bad wrestling and it's not to say that like, like their fans are stupid or anything, but it's to say that like, it's a promotion that like is pretty uniquely unappealing to me, Um, like tonally, stylistically, what have you. Uh, And I think, like, outside of a few key people who I'm already, like, predisposed to liking, I I think I'm just not going to bother digging into that.
0: Now, I know that, like, historically, you're a really big US US indie guy. Yeah. But I don't think that that you were ever big on Dragon Gate USA and Evolve. Yeah, not necessarily. Like,
1: DG USA, I liked it as much as... As much as, like, other Dragon Gate fans did at the time, but, like, it was, I don't know, it's it's so weird because it's, like, it's a promotion full of guys that I love, but, like, they're doing weird shit. Like, it's, right, it's, and... Gabe, Gabe Sapolsky should never have been booking any of those people in, in specifics. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just, it's not, it's not a group of people who work well with, like, what he's trying to do. And I think Evolve sort of falls into a similar situation. Like, Evolve having been, like, this wild smorgasbord of all these different talents who sort of never coalesced together. Or if they did, they did it for, like, such a brief period of, like, 12 months.
0: And I was, I was bringing that up because someone who is, um... Gonna get a lot of votes based off the last uh, three or four years of work they've done is Johnny Gargano. Oh, I thought and, I um, thought you were gonna say Matt Riddle. <laughs> we can we can get the, the we can get the, those guys in a little uh, bit. Can but, we not? Uh, but Johnny Gargano is someone that all people are gonna vote we're gonna vote for just based off the WWE run mm-hmm. and. Johnny worked everywhere obviously you know midwest guy so he's so he's working in so he's working in the AI AIWs and AWs but he was also a game guy uh-huh. like 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 one of the um maybe the first game guy post ROH uh-huh. so does that stuff at all like help Johnny help Johnny for you because I think you've been up and down on his WWE work so does any of that DG USA or evolve work help johnny for you when it comes to his case for the decade
1: it certainly does in a theoretical sense pardon me i've had a sore throat all day and it's really fucking me up um it certainly does in a theoretical sense because uh early earlier in the decade i was sort of a fan of his in that like me and my friends who could only afford to get so many wrestling dvds a year like mostly watched guys like johnny gargano via like the smattering of stuff that showed up on youtube most of which wasn't in full matches. So we would see him doing stuff all over the place in like 2011, 2012, 2013. And then we would see him whenever he showed up in like Chikara and we'd be like, Oh yeah, this guy's really good. And there's definitely like a period of time there where he is like, pardon me, where he is like, arguably the biggest name on the U S indies who wasn't in PWG or who was not yet in PWG. I think, um, and I remember all that stuff fondly now, should I go back and rewatch that stuff? maybe my opinions would change a little bit, but as it stands right now, like I think that does help a whole lot more than it hurts him
0: so so when I think of Johnny, I'm also someone that um i i land I landed in a camp of Johnny Gargano. i always been good hmm. and the people that are saying that he's been wow, where did this guy come from? He just got so good suddenly or just sort of insane but going going back. Um, for a little bit when I was uh when you know when flow when flow slam still had them, um, or uh, the Dragon Gate USA and Evolve shows just uh, just like up there on a on a dead site. Do they not? I, I don't think any I don't think anymore. I think mean, okay. it's gone now. But just going through all that stuff, and I gained a, another appreciation for Heel Gargano. Now, I I liked it even at the time because uh. I'm someone who like sort of like these disingenuous, um, delusional heel characters that think they're baby faces and they're upstanding, good citizens. Right. And of uh, completely mindfucked themselves. They're thinking they're doing the right thing. It's part of why I really liked Bo Dallas for a little bit. Sure. Uh, that's a <laughs> that's a great one to remember. But um, Johnny was someone that, uh, going back to like the, obviously, like the Shingo Magic theme. So going, but going back to like the Chuck Taylor stuff or like the Akira Tozawa stuff i was really i was really into all of that uh the ricochet title switch from 2014 uh-huh. i still like still didn't think it was great and i didn't think it was great back then but i think i gained another appreciation for organo as a heel that sort of disappointed me for when they uh teased him going heel and then dropped it and everything got really weird then but i did like going back and sort of like getting like a uh, a, a, a refresher of my uh, some of my earliest memories of Johnny, but looking at this um, doc you sent me, which was like very thorough, by the way. <laughs> but um <laughs> thank you. Uh, a name that you had on here that, like, I I think might have physically pained me. Why, like, when I read this, was a uh, Sasha Banks? Oh, do I have and, a, do I have her on here? Yeah, you have her in the um, half decade or less cases.
1: All right, okay.
0: And um, oh, a so sad, really, that's a um, That's a
1: sad part of this list.
0: Yes, yeah, re- really, really <laughs> fucked up part of this list. Um, <laughs> but um, and like in all of this and in all the stuff that like makes me super disappointed, mm-hmm. Sasha Bank stands out the most. Totally. So before I want before I go, um, do you have? Any thoughts on Sasha? And um, does she have a prayer of, like, making it past, like, the bottom 80? I, 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 I
1: totally doubt that she would on the general list, like, once everything gets collated together. Uh, for me, I think she totally does. Uh, because I think Sasha is a great example of of how the 2010s was a, was a decade about peaks as opposed to consistency, I think. Like, I think with... Um, i think in particular with with like the ubiquity of footage like the overwhelming amount of footage that people could watch um it, it something happened that i mentioned earlier like it was really easy to get lost in the shuffle um and so like anybody who was putting on like a consistently good match uh was just fading into the ether most of the time and and people really had to rely on like capturing people's attention and like capturing the zeitgeist for short little periods of time, and like nobody has done that like Sasha Banks. Um, so like I think even if, even if her case is made off of maybe two years of strong work, of which like I'm not super high on her 2016, like you are, um, even if it is just a year or two like that, I think she did like fundamentally changed the way wwe has been positioning itself recently and i think like the stuff that she was doing that year was notable enough was good enough was memorable enough um even if it's not necessarily like the 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 cleanest or tightest wrestling i've ever seen like it's it's stuff that still like pulls on my heartstrings all these years later um and i think like i think in spite of everything working against her like she's someone i'm going to have to have on my list simply because like i i Like, I want to go back and watch her stuff in a way that, like, doesn't apply to so many other people.
0: With Sasha, it, like, especially hurts dealing with the reality of uh, so many people being flashes in a pan Uh in the 2010s. Because she's also maybe the only one that I think has dealt with, like, such blatant erasure of, like, what she was and how important she was Mm. towards everything going towards, towards everything going on now and it,
1: well it's like that's something that's been going on consistently with uh women in wwe for decades now like trish is like really one of the only people who has who has like been able to escape that and has been able to well, trish and lita i guess have been like the only ones to escape that and and be held in a place of prominence by the promotion but you think about like Paige and like you think about um like Caitlin and like all the other people who like in AJ Lee, like the people who carried that division for years and years before the likes of Sasha Banks and Charlotte and Bailey showed up, like all of them get swept underneath the rug. And I think it's, I think it's no, like I think nowhere is it more like kind of despicable than with someone like Sasha.
0: Even with like, you, like you raise a great point that has happened, like it happened to the previous generation of girls too. But I I can say still though that it's 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 a little bit more jarring when it happens to someone that gave you so many classic moments uh-huh. like Sasha did. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that I thought Paige and AJ and Caitlyn were having these like great matches totally and their runs um on top of the division, but there was de- there's definitely like some sort of erasure there. Um, at least in the case of Paige, they're still keeping Paige around in WWE and on television. Right. So, I've, I've, like as the years go on, they might still be crediting Paige as someone that was um, part I, at, at the front of the quote-unquote Divas Revolution or Divas Revolution, Women's Revolution. Um, with Sasha, it's so blatant and disheartening because she very, very organically worked her way up through the ranks in NXT to even get to the point to where she was. Mm-hmm. Go back and watch it. Sasha Banks was never s- supposed to be as over as she wound up being. If anything, she was only ever meant to be a vehicle for Charlotte to get over, which makes it even more fucked up in retrospect because that's all she was in 2016 too. But you look at how over she got. You look at her in um, December in that in that in the December 2014 Takeover match versus Charlotte astoundingly over mm-hmm. like blo- like even like blows you away like holy shit like when did sasha banks get so over you go to the fatal four-way a few months later where she wins the title sasha banks is like so extremely over mm-hmm. and you're looking at it and it's like holy shit like where like where did this come from in the same in this sort of in the same way um well i wouldn't even call it the same call it the same way because i think becky lynch's rise was more um attached to bad booking than Becky actually being good or like sure like that but sort of just like but that overnight like wow like where where did this come from that's what happened with Sasha too and Sasha was making stars she wasn't just making herself right she made Becky for years totally and I've been hard on Becky for a while you like you like you know that as well as anybody oh I know yeah Like, I, like I say, like I say that she's good, but like, come on now, like the, like the Sasha match carried her reputation for like years. And I think like, that's like, it it sucks to say that because Becky is Becky for a couple of years was a victim of not getting chances. But the fact is like people, people like, Oh no, Becky's Becky's really good. It was like, well, the Sasha match is all you can really point to. And she made Bailey. And she was one of the first people to have good matches, good matches, matches with Alexa Bliss. She's the person, well, I think now, a few years later, people realize that that Charlotte Natalia match wasn't very good, but she like, Char- Sasha was the first person that made people think that Charlotte was a, was a good worker. And I think when you like someone is so overwhelmingly like good at expressing themselves and getting themselves over, and then they're also getting like everyone around them over th- like, that sounds like the centerpiece of a division that sounds like the centerpiece of a promotion. Someone that can elevate themselves, elevate and elevate the product at at the same time. But that's never what Sasha got to be. And that gets into racial stuff that get like that, that gets into labor stuff, labor. Like it gets really um, foggy and stuff that isn't necessarily like suited for a podcast like this, at least like at the time, (laughs) like we could, but it's, like it some, it's something that eats in me more than, like, you know, even like, like a like a CM Punk or something like that. Where Sasha should have had one of the better cases of the decade. Like, assuming she, like, 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 hopefully she doesn't get hurt and um, she's not missing time or too much time from injury. But to see her get completely phased down like that really is, um, I think, like the worst case scenario of this 2010s flash flash in the pan age we're in Mm -hmm.
1: because like because people are always going to be more affected by the way these promotions portray a wrestler than they are willing to admit like that's like that narrative like even if it's even if you explicitly know like that this is a fake narrative put on by a fake wrestling promotion like that sticks with people
0: yeah like no other case i think represents that like sasha banks is one of them but you know dolph ziggler
1: ziggler too yeah Dol- we were talking about ziggler today we we're talking about haruki goto cm punk like all these people who who fans have like sort of a weird perception of and like they have weird careers to begin with don't get me wrong but like fans have weird perceptions of them due to do due to the way that these promotions have been presenting them over the course of this decade even if they're not in the company anymore
0: and I, I do want to get into these um, half decade, half decade or less guys, and where um their cases might be at least for us. But you're right, and that's a that's a conversation that I want to delve into just a little bit. But where um where does that stuff land for you? The whole this person is being booked like shit, so. Even though that they've been like they've been having great matches, and I've thought they were a great wrestler for years and years and years and years, and years now, because they're being booked so inconsistently or being outwardly or being booked outwardly bad in some cases, now they're just a bad wrestler. And to me, that's like one of the biggest reasons why I dislike WWE and New Japan isn't safe safe from this. Obviously, totally. the people there are people that uh, act like Hiroki Goto isn't great and. I, like I've thought the I Hiro- thought the world of Hiroki goto for a long 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 time not that I ever thought that Hiroki Goto could be like the top star in the company but like, the guy has great matches he's clearly a great wrestler at least at least in my opinion but it's always so fascinating to me to see people that, that are like oh yeah well they booked them bad so they must be bad wrestlers and it's not and again I don't want to say they're dumb people <laughs> sure but like, this is a thing that people... That this is a thing that people do. Yeah, or, or
1: like, um, to reframe this, like, people... I think sometimes fans will look at bad booking and, like, understand that it's holding a talented wrestler back, but then completely forget that, like, that wrestler can still be putting on quality performances in spite of that booking. Like, people right. will just completely write off somebody due to the fact that they've had to mire in nxt for a couple of years of this decade um and and think like oh nothing good came of that or like there's nothing there's not there's no valuable information i can glean about this wrestler from that time and i think like i think that's like a really pernicious thing that we should try to get over <laughs> um but like you know me like i'm a i'm a john moxley fan and so like this entire decade had to Like I had to sit here and see people go like, "Oh, this this Dean Ambrose, he's a fucking awful wrestler. Like he's (laughs) he's he's like he's a stupid character. He's he's consistently having bad matches. Like he can't." Trust me, I'm right there with you, man. (laughs) Like so, and and like I'm glad that like the we've sort of come full circle with that, and like people are getting way more on board with him now. But like, yeah, like that's that 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 sort of thing happens way more often than it should, and 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 like I get I get hit with it in weird ways that that really piss me off
0: it's like I'm always shocked to see the way people will just sort of blame someone else for the year just like but like not like but like it's WWE like Like, they can't do anything about that yeah (laughs) like
1: specifically in WWE people people like side with the company in ways that I find baffling like even people even fans who are like explicitly anti-WWE or like specifically like pro worker like people who who consistently like side with the company narrative, and instead of saying like okay like well this person has been working like 200 nights a year, uh, has been pulled in 18 different directions by like bookers and writers and uh what's the fucking word for the backstage talent that pro- producers um, um yeah. uh, and like Vince himself like like people people like tend to overlook that and just go like oh match bad
0: therefore wrestler bad. And, and, and that's that's a really silly thing. And um, you mentioned how like the narrative is starting to change for Moxie at least a little bit because of leaving WWE and like the matches he's having.
1: What, and so far, I want to be explicit here. It's not just leaving WWE; it's going to popular promotions. Yes, like there are so many people who have left
0: WWE and done good work that no one gives a fuck about. Yes, but. Like with that combination, and I think, um, people like be like built like uh, I guess taking the w the taking the WWE goes off for a second, right? They're like, oh, okay, like Moxley actually like hits people really hard, like him like you know whipping on his strikes, actually was probably a WWE style thing, which I think like which I think a lot of people probably were caught off guard by. Um, I'm not sure if you I'm not sure if you've seen um. I think you saw the Juice Match, right?
1: Uh, no, I only saw his oh, match yeah. with yeah. Shota Imuno. Um,
0: I, I, fuck, I, I, Umino.
1: Umino. Thank you. That's the yeah. That's the um, first
0: match of his I've seen outside. Okay. Um, the the fed. go back and watch the Juice. G- know. I know you go back and watch, I know you'll go back and watch the Juice Match because like this uh, box and juice. Yeah, like, it's my guys. Um, but like something like him versus Taiji from the G1 show today um, from the morning we're recording this. Yeah, like beat the shit out of him. <laughs> like, and it's like such a like vast departure from hmm. the Moxie we got in uh, WWE. But as you can see, the narrative is changing, and this goes back to someone like Sasha Banks and her uh, being gone from the company for um, uh, some time now. And I know Sasha Banks has a pretty good amount of time left on her contract. Yeah, I think there's a chance the narrative on Sasha Banks gets even worse because with CM Punk, like CM Punk just. Walked away. His deal was up at the end. Uh, was at was up at the end. Was up at the summer of that year anyway. Sasha Banks, from what I've seen, has like two years left, and going like like throwing. Well, public perception. A lot of people have perceived this as a temper tantrum mm. in her in her um, pouting because she's not getting her way, or pouting because she's not winning, and calling it an attitude problem. And her coming back to WWE. After a perceived temper tantrum and attitude problem, and just staying put for a couple of years, not doing much, like that, like like that's not going to be part of the twenty to, the twenty tens conversation. But you could, we could even see the reputation of Sasha Banks take an even bigger hit because of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, and it's, and, in it's in yeah. it's it's like there are factors that we've mentioned, like the fact that she's a woman, the fact that she's a woman of color, especially. Um, but I also want to I also want to say, like, I think it's I think it's just like the fact that it's happening again like when punk did it in 2014 like it had been years since anyone especially anyone in a high profile situation like had walked had had, had even had even dared to like do something like that (laughs) yeah like wwe had just been such the only game in town that like no one dared to do that or no one was in a position in which they could do that and still be relatively well off um so like punk does in 2014 and like in the five years since then, like the wrestling landscape has changed dramatically. And I think a lot of people like, regardless of like how familiar they are with the situation regarding like Sasha's contracts. um, I think a lot of people are sort of just fed up with seeing that sort of thing, like fed up with people deciding they're bigger than the promotion, like rightly so often. Um, And I think like, I think it's just a situation in which like, Oh, she's doing this like a little too late. And, like, the worm has turned on her.
0: So, for people that don't necessarily have the most extensive uh, resume for the period of the 2010s. And there's some prominent guys here that uh, make make this list. We just talked about CM Punk. But I think a couple of people that are very interesting to have in this conversation are uh, Sami Zayn Matt Riddle and David Starr so I think right now I want the first one I want to tackle is Sami Zayn and with Zayn you know I think a lot of Zayn problems come from expectations mm-hmm. um I think because a certain segment of people heard Zane get talked up for so long and they weren't necessarily as on board with Zane that when Zayn makes it to the main roster and he's not exactly given um, these uh, situations to thrive in that people aren't um, sold on Zane. I think a lot of people did the same thing to Kevin Owens. Right. Um, and I think Owens, def- and I think Owens um, in ring output has definitely been worse than Sammy's. As far as a uh, TV on the main roster, but man, I
1: don't really, I don't know that I'd even agree because like at least like Owens has been around longer.
0: Yeah, but I think I, re- I think I remember more Zayn TV matches than I've remembered Owens TV matches. Sure, All right. Um, but again, I think I think, I think this comes from a lot of the same people. But as someone that thinks Zayn is like well, again looking at his whole career, I think he's one of the Top fifteen, top twenty wrestlers ever. Uh-huh. It's really, it's a really weird position to be in as to where, like, when I do this, I'm not sure I can have the guy higher than like seventy. Like when talking about like just the decade, it's it's a very weird position to be in, and I'm not, I'm not sure if you're in a similar boat. Yeah, it's it's like
1: he starts the decade as one of the best wrestlers alive, like one of one of a, a group of like five or six guys. Who were really like blowing up the American indie scene at the time. The
0: first three the first three years you could argue he's the best wrestler in the world, I think. Totally. Between 20, 2010,
1: 2010 through twenty twelve. I, I wouldn't argue that at all. Like and and even in his early WWE stuff, like he's he's really killing it in NXT in twenty thirteen and twenty fourteen. Um and it's and it's really only when he starts like uh he starts getting injured and then he starts like shifting roles from being like this this like primary baby face of a promotion to like playing secondary roles or playing really bizarre heel roles that like people start to sour on them. And it's specifically like the people who like you're talking about, like folks who had really either never given El Generico uh, a shot or had like just never clicked with what that character was trying to be. Um, and who had heard folks like me and you talk him up for years and years and years. And and then to see him on the main roster of WWE and and watch him like definitely shit a brick, like definitely like not put in good performances. And like you and I might look at that and say like, okay, like these roles are like bad for him, and and like he's he's being used in ways that like do not highlight his strengths and like specifically try to highlight some of his weaknesses or try to turn a crowd against him. Um, And I think a lot of people would again like side with the company narrative and just be like oh well if you can't make it in wwe you can't make it anywhere or if like you can't rise above shitty booking then like what like what what value do you have and like e- it's, even even though like like
0: three people ever have ever
1: like really totally. risen through shitty booking <laughs> like it's it's such a small fraction of people who have ever been able to do that specifically in wwe it's it's kind of a mind-blowing thing to, to it's a, it's a weird standard to hold people to um, but even but even with um,
0: with Sammy here, is it's sort of wild to me to be like, oh yeah, I don't think I don't think he's really been like that great or he's been outwardly bad. When I think he, like other than Roman, I think he had the best matches that, <laughs> that Braun Strowman's ever gonna have. I think I think I think we're at a point now where we can safely say that totally. Um,
1: and that's like that's like a real small like caveat that's like a small thing to hang his case on but like he he does well in those sorts of situations like i think he does well in like you know working with people who are limited workers or or working with like larger
0: larger guys who need to be
1: uh who need to get over and and like he has he has like a ton of value that i think people just like completely overlook
0: because wwe also isn't like looking at like his best assets either Uh which is like a completely different conversation because like he's somewhat, like just based off like Roman's history and like who he's worked really well with. Looking at how he's like had great chemistry with your AJ Styles and your Daniel Bryan's, like Sami Zayn should be someone Roman works with all the fucking time. Yeah, they've had like that, like that. Like, that just makes complete. That just makes perfect sense. They've had one match together. Is that correct? Like it was a four way. I think so. Like yeah, I, I'm not even sure there's been a single singles match between those guys. Like I think
1: the only time they met up was with was when they were like. Naming a number one contender to face Seth for the Universal Title the first time, I think that was
0: it. Because no other timeline matches up. Because when Sammy's a heel, he's on SmackDown. Uh uh, Roman and Roman being the top guy on Raw, Roman being out, uh, and Roman just coming back and Sammy just coming back. So yeah, there would have been no real opportunity for their paths to cross. But um. He's someone that I think WWE definitely doesn't really use to the best ability, and not even like, oh yeah, Sami Zayn can be a star. It's like, like just as like working with the heels, like, well, why, (laughs) like, like Zayn versus McIntyre, like sounds like the perfect thing to do for Drew McIntyre. Yeah, like I, it's it's so bizarre to me that they've pushed him
1: as a heel because it's like because they've got like a Tito Santana on their hands. Um, or in a different in a different light, I think they've got a Rick Martell on their hands, and they think he can be the Rick Martell where he's he's playing a heel, he's playing like this weird uh, pretty boy heel. But like, not everybody can be Rick Martell, and to 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 specifically try to like push a Tito Santana into that role is like completely misguided, and and that's that uh, truly that's I think what they're doing. Like they're missing out on like a really hot mid card babyface by specifically like going out of their way to swerve fans. I
0: guess I don't even know. Yeah, like Swerve fans, or is because cut, and cut worked Judy promos. It's is like, it
1: because Vince doesn't like them? Because like we know that's like specifically a thing that like Vince doesn't like Owens. Is, is that why their heels?
0: Like I I don't know. It's weird. It's it's, it's uh, and Owens just turned face, which okay. is a completely which, which is a completely different conversation because Owens was supposed to be a face when he came back. And then, the Kofi, and then Kofi took off and then they turned him back for Kofi, which again, really weird because you could have just did Orton or Ziggler and not turn Owens. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's really fucking strange. But um, it sucks because Zayn is one of my favorite wrestlers ever. Uh-huh. And I still think pretty safely one of the best wrestlers ever. But when I look at the decade, he got so mishandled when it came when it came to his main roster run, in spite of like having really good team matches with the likes of Braun and Seth and Seth Rollins and AJ Styles, that I thought like where I thought he showed up, or the or when the um Kevin Owens you got a spotlight put on it for in 2016, and for a period that was the biggest feud on on the television Owens versus Zayn, and those two guys showed the fuck up, but it, it feels like he was just so like severely mishandled that. He's another one of those guys in the Sasha Banks camp where his actual ability is going to get lost in the fact that the company just managed him so poorly. Mm-hmm. But
1: and and like he he was like really prominent. He was really like he was one of the best wrestlers in the world in uh, a specific short little period of the U.S. Indies that people are not going to look back on fondly.
0: Yeah. To look at the flip side of that. Someone that is a uh, they weren't wrestling, but they just came in so hot and really haven't lost any momentum uh Matt Riddle and you are someone that notoriously wasn't wasn't on the Matt Riddle train when it first started uh-huh. uh you got into him in more around 2017 2018 than um you were in his initial 2016 2016 run but looking at where Riddle is now I was very concerned when he when he when he went to WWE um, especially in that big flurry of signings, because a lot of guys, you know, <laughs> hate hate bringing this up all the time. But you know, Keith Lee, hmm. Donovan Dijak right? Guys are there and haven't done shit. At least, um, he, at least he avoided the neo-Nazi gimmick. Yeah, <laughs> but Riddle has done really well for himself. Yeah, surprisingly, and yeah, in in NXT, surprise, like some of the best work he's ever done. And I say that as someone that like, that liked Riddle from the jump. Like the velvet, the velveteen dream match from, uh, I think it was Takeover New York. Like the best, the best riddle I've ever seen, and he's someone that like I, I, I pray pray to God that like they don't <laughs> mishandle him because one that's like, even if you're not like the biggest riddle fan, that's like still gonna be such like like an inexcusable fuck up, but yeah, like
1: he is, he is, he is. I'm not going to say, like, he is exactly what they want. Like, I think in large part they have moved on from large muscular men of his
0: strength. Well, that's the the thing with WWE is, like, they're in such a position where they're just signing everybody that, like, I don't even know what they want anymore. Well, I heard, um, I forget where I heard this.
1: I think it might have been Curt Hawkins who said this. Um, But I heard someone describe it recently. And by recently, I mean probably four years ago on a shoot interview. (laughs) But I heard someone describe it like they're looking to sign people who have stories. Like uh, you look at somebody like Mustafa Ali, like someone who is like a Pakistani-American. Is that correct? Yeah. Pakistani-American who was a cop in Chicago. Like that is like a -a one-of-a-kind person (laughs) that you're not going to get everywhere and and so like they sign people who like they can showcase in like a specific way of to be like oh hey like this is this person's shtick and largely it's like not necessarily what they're doing in the ring but like who they are as a person in real life and how that relates to a gimmick um and like even if even if riddle doesn't like fit in with that sort of like he's like a ufc fighter and they haven't had very many of those and and he's like a really uh easygoing guy and like they don't necessarily have a ton of those characters or at least not in the same way anymore um but yeah like he is like such a surefire hit like someone who is like endlessly easily effortlessly over with people and who is like such a large person that it would be it would be insane if they whiff on him
0: but going back to riddle and his placement um for the decade do you think there's going to be some sort of recency bias for the guys like a Matt Riddle and I can think you I think you can throw David Starr in this conversation too for guys that really came on in the last few years of the decade and either like in David Starr's case his work before that wasn't as good and in a Matt Riddle's case his work before that just wasn't existing cuz he wasn't wrestling yeah. but do you think there's going to be some sort of recency bias here for the guys that have just been like really great like say like 2016 to 2019,
1: sort of because like, um, like earlier I mentioned like the idea that like the 2010s were about a peak, as opposed to like a consistency. Um, and, and I think I think that really benefits a guy like Riddle, who a lot of people thought was just like immediately great from get-go, and who has like kept up, at least in the perspective of other people. I'm not so convinced, but um, has like kept up that same level of quality over over his couple of years in the business um whether whether or not that like takes him to like a top 20 spot on this list i don't know because like just having a bunch of goose eggs really is like a a limiting factor in this sort of thing um but i think i think specifically with riddle like he's the kind of guy that a lot of the people who are going to be voting in this process tend to like and so i think he'll fare pretty well david star I'm not so sure, especially based on like what he's been doing this year and last year, uh, which has been rubbing a whole lot of people the wrong way. And I think a lot of those people are real dumb, but uh, at the same time, like that's a guy who's not going to be terribly popular among this, this voting base, um, despite the fact that I think he is like phenomenally talented.
0: Someone that I think Mike could be argued or some people would argue as being uh, one of, if not the most consistently good wrestler... Of the decade is one Roman Reigns, and when you sent me this sheet, I wasn't expecting <laughs> like such. A... I'll, I'll leave it at your Roman Reigns feeling surprised me, but I guess now is a good time, as good a, time to, as good, a time, as good a time as any to sort of open this uh, Roman Reigns discussion. And I was always someone where I would like I was thinking of Roman Reigns in the sense of like he's have had like too many like good matches since I, I started at 2013 because I don't love that I don't love that TLC match from uh 2012 that much so I always started at 2013 but um even with the time he missed at various points just too many good matches week in and week out and on pay-per-view where even if he wasn't like knocking it out of the park for me like it was just like so much good mm-hmm. that he had to make it somewhere. Like, to borrow a term from Simon, like he might be like Mr. Three Boy of the decade or uh, something like that. A whole bunch of three star matches, right? And looking at this, I was actually sort of surprised to see some of your Roman Reigns thoughts. So, uh, let's try to unpack them now. Um, <laughs> you said um you want to debunk Roman Reigns. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't know if that's necessarily like that's what I wrote down here, but it maybe I don't know if that's the sentiment I'm really going for. Um, Cause like I, I do wanna I wanna preface all of this by saying like I don't dislike Roman like I, I I do like him a lot I think he's a pretty decent wrestler um he's made it on my wrestler of the year list every year since 2016 uh, and if I had done more than just a top 20 in 2015 he would have made that too um like he's not I'm definitely not one of those people who is like oh my god I hate Roman lol Roman wins like I'm not one of those idiots I think those people are sort of out to lunch um and like totally miss the forest for the trees. With not just like not just Roman, but with like WWE at large, um, but specifically like I sort of wanted to address like what I've seen as like a series of talking points um, within our circles over the last couple of years in regards to Roman as like the uh, one of the better wrestlers of the decade or someone who is like one of the better WWE wrestlers ever, and I think like I think that sort of stuff is kind of overblown. Um, and it's not like,
0: it's not like there's so, so, so question before you get into this, Okay, do you think it's possible that Roman Reigns is one of the better WWE wrestlers of the, of the decade, but you also think like his case and like the general sense of like the wrestling landscape is completely like yeah. overblown too. Is, is um, that what you're getting at? I don't know.
1: I haven't specifically thought about that. I, I could definitely see that being the case. Um, because, like, this has been such a weird decade for WWE, and he has been good in times when other people have been pretty bad. Um, and so I think that works out in his favor in a big way. But, like, I don't know. I haven't specifically thought about that. But, like, if he's going to excel anywhere, he's going to be in that sort of a field. that Like, that's sort of a specific purview. Um, but, like, in a general sense, like, I think Roman, like, he doesn't suffer from one single, like, debilitating factor it's not like oh i hate this guy's blank therefore he's a bad wrestler or therefore i don't enjoy seeing him like i think it's like a whole bunch of things that roll up into like it's a whole bunch of little things that roll up into like a larger uh a larger issue like um for one he's formulaic like you hear me talk about that sort of thing a lot like i i cite that um I cite that as an issue that I have with Kazuchika Okada quite often. And it's not just that like Roman does the same moves every match. Like I think people like really lose their minds over shit like that. And I think it's really silly. Um, But it's more that like he's having like the same types of matches. Like he's not a guy who, who branches out stylistically. Like he's not a guy who branches out tonally with his matches. It's usually either like I'm a big powerhouse working against a smaller guy or Oh no, I'm a big powerhouse who's working against someone else who is even bigger and it's like variations upon that theme. And I think it's it's pretty and it's pretty like one dimensional. That doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, but like when combined with something like his bad acting, it becomes a bigger issue. Or combined with like something like um him being this this all-time weird like beneficiary slash victim of horrible booking, that it becomes an issue. Or um like you were saying with, like, that 2012 TLC match, like, I think a lot of his matches just don't hold up, like, in that, like, it's partly it's an issue with this kind of stuff where where I think, like, he has, like, um, where he has, like, awful booking dragging him down, where he has bad acting dragging him down, where he's, like, formulaic and you're, you're just seeing the same sorts of things over and over again. Um, but more than that, like, I think, like, he doesn't, like, he's not a guy who has, like, story rich matches he's not a guy who have like narratively interesting matches and so like once you move past the point of like oh this is like an exciting move or like an exciting spot when i see it for the first time like there's not really anything to dig into with his matches so i've like recently i've been going back and i've been reviewing his shield run um like it's something i've been wanting to do for a long time and i thought i would do it for this podcast uh and i and i watched the uh 2015 daniel bryan match for good measure too and it's like a lot of this stuff just doesn't hold up i think and it's not necessarily because he's doing poor work but it's just because like this stuff was good in the moment and it doesn't have much in the way of last ability and like that really hurts him in a decade in which he has like a lot of um a lot of down years or a lot of years where he's doing basically nothing like he starts wrestling in i think august of 2010 and sticks to fcw has like two or three matches that year on tv at least um and then continues that in
0: 2011 even if even in nxt like we're gonna get to that but even in nxt like he's only there for like one taping a
1: couple tapings yeah like just doing squash matches too like he doesn't get any of that benefit of like nxt coming to rise and being like a real cool thing um comes to the main roster in 2012 with that tlc match that i think is kind of awful in ways that people aren't like aren't aware of, I think <laughs> like people or that people
0: don't think about. Um, I think like again, you you talked about like a lot of like roma stuff, like feeling good in the moment, uh-huh. like that feels like the big one here, where it feels like think about twenty twelve WWE, right? And I think about when that match happens, right? Like imagine people just being like, "Oh my god!" Like wow, like these guys are just all over the place, mm-hmm. like. This is like so fast paced, so wild. Like, oh my god, this is like amazing. And you know, I'm a firm believer in that. Like, time and place like isn't a bad thing when it comes to wrestling. Uh-huh. But for purposes like this, when we go back, like that stuff does matter. And like, it's it's like it's definitely
1: a situation where like he does benefit from being an exciting wrestler in an era of WWE that is like not that exciting. But it's it's also a factor where of where like things have improved since then or things were better before that and like you compare it to the rest of the decade like we have to do in this sort of a in this sort of a poll this sort of a forum uh, and that sort of stuff like looks really bad when it's when it's like when you shine a spotlight on it um and like you continue on through the rest of the decade like i think he has basically two good years like 2013 and 2017 like 2013 he's in the midst of the shield having this awesome run and he does like really well he's like like one of the best guys in the company uh in 2017 like he has like a weirdly awesome year on tv like just putting together like these awesome little 10 15 20
0: minute tv matches um sometimes i i, w- I will say that Uh, Like, Raw, like, takes a complete fucking Mm nosedive in 2016, but Roman from um, post-mania to, like, June or July of 2016 is, like, I think the best version of him there's ever been still. Sure. Just because he has the confidence, has the swagger, he's like, um... Working a little bit more dominantly, like talk, like talking a lot of shit in his matches, like and <laughs> a lot of people, I know, I know a lot of people don't like love this match, but the Roman Rollins match from Money in the Bank 2016, it, I think is one of the best Roman performances ever. I think he's incredible in it, and I feel like if fraud is like doesn't take like doesn't take that nosedive, that we could be seeing a. Uh, we, like we'd, we'd be talking about that being Roman's best year but because mm. raw gets so bad um with the Seth mm. injury and then you get the Owens and Jericho together and Owens and Roman Roman feuding a weird feuds. Like, yeah like that like that like all that gets thrown out the window so yeah like what you get left with is uh 2017 where he just gets to go out there and just have consistently good matches all year mm-hmm. and like nothing like I don't think anything is like blow away great or anything i'm not sure if you disagree but like he just gets to go out there and just have good matches all year mm-hmm.
1: yeah like i and like he got to i think 11th on my wrestler of the year voting that year so like it's it's definitely something i thought highly of but like i look at the rest of the decade and it's and it's a lot weaker that's not to say he's putting on like bad matches all the time or that like he had years in which he was doing nothing like i look at 2014 2015 2016 he's having like at least one or two matches a year that i think are incredible but it's then a whole lot of stuff that I'm just completely not interested in, or it's and even
0: and even 2013, like you don't want to do this because like obviously like like more than one person is responsible for something being good, totally. But you're in the middle of one of Daniel Bryan's best runs ever, right? And you just happen to be like a really young, exciting guy that you know who's getting, getting who's getting in, pushed really hard too, and you know and getting caught in the whirlwind, which is Daniel Bryan, and it's like sort of like right like perfect place like perfect time scenario for the first scenario for those guys
1: right and it's and it's related to like what you were saying with 2016 i think he's also sort of like one of the i think he's like one of the worst victims of wwe at its worst that's like related to what, what we were talking about with his booking with his acting like when wwe fails like he is often one of the first people to go down and to hit hardest because of it um and that's sort of sort of just like a weird factor that I think is important to think about when we're talking about this guy. And like he has he's a bunch of just like he has like some lengthy injury um injury stents too. Like he I don't remember what it was. He takes like four months off in twenty twelve, I think it was. I'm not even sure if it was due to injury. It might have been in the changeover from F C W to NXT. I don't recall. Um, but then he gets the hernia injury in 2014 takes a couple months off there and like has a leukemia scare over 2018 2019 misses i think four or five there um and it's
0: like it's nothing debilitating but like but but then you but then you also pointed out uh a couple of days ago that he also has like these random stints uh in 2016 and uh 2018 too where it's just like wait why is roman not wrestling on tv for like a month or so.
1: Yeah, like he he's a guy who like not even just fades into the background like I was talking about er- earlier. He's a guy who just disappears. You would even notice
0: he's gone. Like that's mm-hmm. wild to me. <laughs> like like I, I I do think at the time with the uh um the um break between Roman TV matches between um the Mania Brock match and that what they were building to um I think that was the first Saudi Arabia show. Yeah. But uh even at the time we were just like wait why is why is roman here every week when he's not wrestling it was so strange because it wasn't like roman was off tv he was like cutting promos and showing up Uh, it's like wait why like why is he not having matches it was the the strangest thing and it's like but there's there's multiple yeah there's multiple stretches like that
1: yeah like historically wwe does a lot of that um especially when they were like doing multiple tapings in a night but like that's just not what they've been about this decade and like that is the sort of case like wrestling multiple times a week is the sort of case that other people that he's going to be up against have made their cases on and it just it it really hurts him in the long run and like it's like again like i don't dislike roman but like i look at his case like i look at his resume and like what he's done this decade and there are holes everywhere and and like even his strongest stuff like i think is is weaker than some folks would be willing to admit and i'm not saying like I'm not saying I want people to write in and just be like, oh man, I hate Roman Reigns now, but like I think I think people could do well to like reconsider some things and and like revisit some old matches and, and think about like where he would fit on your list.
0: I'm not I'm not saying this as a like a derogatory thing or saying that they were wrong to doing this, but I do feel like a lot of like the Roman Reigns defenders or like Roman Reigns um task force was like so like just making sure that there was, like, a balance to uh-huh. the Roman narrative. And I get that. Like, that, I, like I, I... Yeah. I almost don't blame them for that. Mm. Like, making sure there was, like, a balance to the Roman narratives that were out there. That they sort of, like, gloss over everything else that uh, might be missing with with his, with his resume. So, when we look at that, we get someone that's, like, it's just so boring to do this. Because, But I think there's, like, realistically, like, what so much stuff boils down to is... Like like both sides are like really loud and really obnoxious and like like missing the forest the, like missing the forest through the trees and just like glossing over stuff. So we both wind up somewhere in the middle. Quinn on Roman Reigns for the decade. Quinn, I don't want you to
1: turn turning this into a centrist podcast. <laughs> I'm not interested in that. But no, like I do I do think there is like a nuance here that a lot of people with um, at least certain popular figures, like I-, I think there's a nuance that a lot of people miss, and,
0: and I would urge people to like at least weigh things again. So, with all this being said, after reevaluating Roman, where do you sort of fall on him? Like, is he is he still is he still a top one? Is he still even a top one hundred guy for you? I, I get he would probably have to because like. um
1: I just don't know who else I would put up there. Like, he's definitely not going to be a top guy for me. I no way he cracks my top 20. Uh, not certain that he cracks my top 50, but like, I don't think I could get to a hundred without him. It's just, it's just that like, he's sort of only getting there based on like one or two strong years of work. And I recognize that like, I'm, I'm down on hit on some stuff, uh, compared to other fans. Like I think a lot of people are really into his 2015 and 2016 work in a way that I am not. But, um, a lot of people really
0: like that Rusev Hell in a Cell match. From, uh... I guess. You know, I think that was 2016. Like, yes, I know a lot of people that like that. 20, 2015, like I don't even know how you like what the argument is. There, it just, there just isn't a lot. I don't. I, I don't know. Big Show
1: <laughs> match was cool. Like I definitely agree with that. And like he had, yeah. he had a Bray Wyatt feud that was okay, I guess. And then like late in the year, he gets involved in in the. Uh, the The tournament for the the vacant WWE title and has the feud with Sheamus that is like better than it should have
0: been. Okay, yeah, like okay now like now that you mentioned that like the couple of uh, Sheamus matches back to back, they uh-huh. had one on TLC that was like they killed each other, and a really good Raw match. Um, the tournament for the title. Okay, 2015 he also had the Cesaro match. Uh huh. So yeah, okay, now like 2015 gets is a little getting getting pieces a little bit more together, and then that. Title And that tournament for the title, I didn't even think was good. Yeah, like, he, team, he especially faces... When we, especially when we get to Roman versus Ambrose, which is like a super weird match. Yeah,
1: he faces... I'm not sure if I've ever seen that, really. But uh, he faces Cesaro in the first round of it, I think. And then faces Del Rio in the semis. Yeah,
0: Del Rio. And
1: then Ambrose. And it's... Yeah, it is definitely... Like, it's short, from what I
0: recall. Yeah, it's very short. It was like... Even, like, that Ambrose... Like, the only like i think maybe the only ambrose roman match we ever got was it's like wow that was like really fucking weird (laughs) yeah one-on-one i think it is the only one we ever had Mm. um so with you going like that um or uh urging people to reevaluate roman reigns personally i've been feeling similarly to john about john cena oh no (laughs) so specifically this decade though yeah specifically this
1: decade yeah i'm um, fucking if you were going at john in general i was gonna get real mad <laughs> <laughs> i mean
0: oh come hey, on look there's a thousand matches better than cena versus umaga last Man day okay but he has other matches though <laughs> we'll get to that at some point um, but even looking at john through the decade and john is someone that clearly uh Cut back his schedule uh-huh. and was doing other things. So he's someone that really has again, fits into that half of a half a decade of work category. Kind of, yeah. And I mentioned that I'm not like crazy about the Punk Cena match the way everybody else is for Money in the Bank. Is it just that but, one? Um, I don't know. I think all of them, I think all of them are great, uh, but I was just saying that where some people go like oh yeah like best WWE match ever best match ever like i'm just, I'm just not there with it yeah 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 I'm, yeah I'm just not there with it so i think he has really great matches with punk uh it's really like, very very scattered tv stuff like i think even more scattered than like people have ever really thought about with john cena and i think because he's been so great on pay-per-view for the mo- for the most part of his career mm-hmm. that um you're sort of willing to overlook that but I think a lot of John stuff isn't holding up particularly well either I think the Cesaro the second Cesaro match like feels like for fucking eternity when that when that when that happens like I, like, I remember at the time like oh yeah it this is drags so great. like yeah it goes on for fucking ever weird the TV one uh, like, we're talking about like raw there's two, there's, yeah there's two TV there's two TV ones okay um, and the sec- I'm sorry, the second one feels like it just drags on forever. And there's other match like the Damien Sandow match. Um, oh, I think we're saying like we're, far be it from us D- to make or break someone's case based on a Damien Sandow match. Yeah, no, but like I'm thinking of stuff like that that like I remember really liking at in the moment, uh-huh. and then going back and watching or thinking about, and just not being as in love with in a lot of your. Roman points can be applied to Cena, sure. as in like clearly like people like will always folk like like zero in on him having the same moves over and over. Again. Totally, but for me, it's the same type of match, especially the especially the type of match that he gets into after the Punk stuff. Because after the Punk stuff, this is when you right. get the beginning of quote unquote like PWG John, and well, not not even just that, but I
1: think like he he shifts into like the older Ace role. Um, and that comes with like a very specific sort of match that we did see with like pwg john and, and with like the u.s title and and shit like that but like it goes even further beyond that like i think everything he's done
0: since has been in that role too In like, other than the brock stuff everything feels like he just like took what everybody was saying was a great match now in the 2010s, he's one of the he's one of the first guys that I felt like noticeably did this. Right, so he's one of the he's he's taking everything that people are calling a, calling a great match in the 2010s, and he's throwing that into his wrestling. So, lots of new moves. Damn, that's a good point. Lots of lots of kickouts. Lots of like he was always a fin- he's always like a finisher heavy guy. Like lots of finishers, and I really like John, and I've always been someone that defended John, but we also can't sit here and act like. These matches are gonna exactly hold up the same way, but the Kevin Ow- the Kevin Owen stuff I still like, but again one of those cases where it feels like really good in the moment, and then you go back and watch it, and I guarantee you're just gonna be like, totally, ooh, this is going on like a little a little a little too long here. Or I re- I still really like the Daniel Bryan match, but I think a lot of people still like feel like that match is a little a little overrated, and. I feel like John maybe even more maybe even more so than Roman, because he was the only guy that was um or one of the only guys that was able to uh, survive and keep his head up head above the water with the bad with bad booking and bad writing that we gave him extra points for that. But when I go back and look at his wrestling for the decade, I can't say if people were totally honest with themselves that that John stuff would hold up.
1: Especially, man, I'm thinking about it now. Especially the rock feud,
0: yeah. <laughs> like that's like uh, that's like that was
1: that was shaky at the time. Like going back to it now, like might 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 even be worse. Um, and
0: like, and then it goes to like you know John gimmick matches, and like I mean, are, are we like are, obviously this is like this is more about like his um, work in the decade, but it feels a little weird to me to sit here and um go crazy and I, and I really like that Bray Wyatt last man standing match for for, for all this for, what, for all this being said but it still feels a little weird to come on and praise like you know something like his Bray Wyatt last man standing match or his uh Bray Wyatt cage match when that's the exact same gimmick match he's been having um with Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins and whoever else in the cage matches or the same kind of last man standing match that he that, he, that he'll have with uh with uh, Umaga back, like all the like like a decade ago, totally. And it feels like John more than a lot of people gets a uh, like never ending past for rehashing shit. So, how do you feel about that particular point?
1: I don't know. Like, I think it's I think it's something I'd have to go and revisit in the same way that I've gone back and revisited Roman stuff uh, to really to really answer that question. Um, I think. I it's probably not fair to even cite this but like as with a lot of things i think a lot of it does just come down to personality and like the tone of what this person is doing um because i'm like i'm, I'm just i'm much more willing to overlook shit if i'm just charmed by a person and i've, I've been right. endlessly charmed by john cena um but that sort of does like sort of does pivot into like a larger discussion that i think is important to talk about with john like i think john this decade has largely been like the crowd-pleasing wrestler that he didn't get to be early on in his like top guy WWE run, um, because people were so hostile towards him, and that that didn't really start to turn until 2009 or 2010 or so. So a lot of what he was doing this decade was stuff like. Big crowd policing matches with John Laurinaitis, and I think like even if that's not a match that your VOW types are going to be praising or giving five stars to or anything, um, I think kind of highly of those sorts of matches, or I think highly of or um, I think highly of his stuff in which he was able to like subvert notions of what WWE was, like with the the Mark Henry feud or with the Daniel Bryan match in 2013, um, and I and I look at stuff like that and, and like someone like Roman Reigns is truly never been in a position to do those sorts of things and, and it's not necessarily like his fault for lacking those things um but i look at somebody like john and i think that's what carries him to probably not a high spot on my list but like a spot on my list that i am comfortable with
0: with conversation with conversations like these i think uh naturally the people that we really like that we haven't also uh seen enough seen as much as we'd uh, like to sure. so far. So who are, who are a couple of those guys for you? And to go along with that, how do you think, um, or how do you anticipate your ballot is going to wind up looking once you start, uh, revisiting or watching some of the people that, uh, you have, um, cir- um, circled for, um, some attention. Well, number one of the bullet is Timothy Thatcher. Like I, I want to
1: watch more, uh, pre 2014 Thatcher, um, especially as i mentioned before that apw stuff uh, i think that i think that'll do a whole lot for my opinion of him and i already think of him as like a fantastic wrestler um and i think if i can get like a couple of years of like solid unheralded work like i can probably push him as like one of the top guys of the decade um who else i do want to revisit shingo takagi and daisuke Sekimoto at some point because i think they're guys that like i've liked for so long and that a lot of the people in our circles have liked for so long but haven't really challenged in any particular way and i want to like go back and take not necessarily like a more critical eye but like go back and see how much of that stuff like falls into the same pitfalls that we've been talking about all night with like formula and and with with like repetition um and i want to see like how they manage to look with years of that shit because i think those are two of probably like the most
0: formulaic wrestlers on i think i think i think Sekimoto is going to be especially hurt by that because yeah. at least with shingo we'll have like the, like a beat like the BP B hulk match or like the unit band the unit disbandment matches that are like so like emotional like, emotionally gripping and filled with story that even if like yeah. if you like put on your random run-of-the-mill like Dreamgate title match for shingo like it's gonna be formulaic like he has so much emotional stuff as opposed to Sakimoto where he's just just been like a great match machine Uh in his style. Like I can imagine like you like going through that and just like, Oh wow. Like Sakimoto does the double German suplex again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And especially I've like, I've sort of turned on the guy recently um, in regards to like the way that he unfolds his matches and like, especially a lot of his emotional acting. I could definitely see going back and being like, Holy fuck. I hate this. Um, and I, and I think that's that's definitely something that I'm gonna I'm gonna have to do here eventually and I think it's something that's gonna make somebody like a Yuji Okabayashi or a Yoshihiro Sasaki like look better in contrast um, yeah uh, I'm not sure who else, who else like I want to specifically revisit because like a lot, of, a lot of the people that I already like I have a pretty good idea where they're gonna end up and it's not necessarily that they're all gonna be super high like as much as I like a guy like Eddie Kingston he has had a rough decade and, and so he's not going to get super high on my list, but, like, I, I think, like, anyone I want to revisit is someone who, um, like, I, I did a William Regal rewatch recently for my blog, Rock Hates Wrestling, um, and I think it's going to be guys like that, guys who I respect, but who I don't necessarily have,
0: like, a, a super firm grasp on. Jonathan Gresham is one for me, um, just because I think the last year or so of him has... Uh boosted him to a level where like i think everyone thought he should have been on but he just never got to and now seeing him get like the proper due makes me wonder like damn am i even gonna wind up being like the high man on jonathan gresham for the decade like and stuff like that and harashima someone that i thought about for this i remember when the first, when the first gwe was going on uh i had a i had a Rashima on my list yeah and then i went and looked through the um Nominees, nominees, a page to see if Harashima was nominated, and he wasn't. And I was like blown away to see that Harashima, like, nobody had nominated him for, um, th- this was April 2016. Yeah. Like, no one had not nominated him. Yeah. Like, even after, like, even after, like, the Kudo match, the Bushy matches in 2015, I was like, wow. Like, that is wild. But, um, he's another one just because. Another like a guy that's been like so consistently good throughout the decade, like like, like he's not a number one contender, you know, like unless like you're um just like super all in on a DDT and, and, promotion, and promotions like that. I don't think he's a number one contender, but we talk about clean resumes, like like that guy's like resume is as clean as is about as clean as it gets. Mm-hmm. So he's someone that I have uh and I for Kyle O'Reilly and Jay Lethal are people are people that I'm thinking about a lot here too, just because Kyle O'Reilly, uh, a lot of this is P- PWG work. I got, I got to go back and watch cause I right. uh, haven't seen that in so long. And then a lot of the ring of honor stuff feels like it's gotten lost. So like there's a Kyle O'Reilly, J. lethal 30 minute, 30 minute draw yep. from TV. That's like really like, Incredibly great, probably the best Kyle O'Reilly match I've ever seen. If I had, if I had, a, if I had a gun to my head, but I can't find it anywhere. Uh, and there's a bunch of stuff like that from TV for Kyle where it's really good, but I can't find it anywhere. And that's going to hurt him a little bit for me. But Kyle's another guy where I want to see like going back, like, will any of uh, the stuff that I'm that I've gotten tired of the last year or so affect Kyle? Um, even though, like, he was at the forefront of a lot of those things, like you know, catch spots and uh, oh, gosh. being 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 on his back so much in matches, and uh, seeing if that stuff annoys me. But a guy like Jay Lethal, who's like pretty clearly had his career years in the 2010s, and achieved something that I don't think anybody ever would have thought possible for Jay Lethal, and that's becoming a legitimate top guy in one of the biggest companies in the world. Mm-hmm and seeing that transformation and i wonder how like the kind of points that we that we're giving for stuff like that where i don't think either of us are going to be looking at the we don't know wrestling 2010s as just in ring just because the sample that we're getting doesn't like you know span history like the like the gwe does and when you think of the decade you are more inclined to think of something that defines the decade more than who had the most great matches in the decade. And when I when I phrase it like that, I might have Jay Lethal a lot higher than I think. Just because his rise, I think, defines the 2010s more than a lot of stuff does. Is that really what you're looking for, though? Is
1: that is it just like... Or do you just want to have your list reflect like the narratives of the decade or is it like, do you want it to be like the people who you thought were the best or, or is Uh, there a distinction between those two things?
0: Um, I do think there's some level of distinction. I do. I do think those things bleed into each other, but like the narrative thing, it's not like I'm not doing like, I'm not thinking about like what other people have said. Sure. And, oh yeah. Like, that like th- this is the person that people think of when they think of the cents. Like I'm not thinking of anybody else when they do this. I'm thinking of my uh, personal viewings and my personal experiences with like, with these products, and seeing Jay Lethal go from like you know the like like early, early parts of the decade like com- like comedy act in TNA that's getting a little bit of serious stuff as he's starting to, as he's starting to leave out. And he's having this super ser- serious view with uh, Kevin Steen. Then translates into him being in the house of truth and becoming the top heel. When I think about it, as much as I associate the 2010s and um, ring of honor with Kevin Steen, I think the guys that I think of after that might be Jay lethal. And um, it's a hard distinction because I think Jay lethal is a great wrestler. I don't think he's like has one of the best like 20 and ring resumes sure. of guys for the decade but you also want to combine these things. So let's bring Daisuke Sakimoto back for an instance. Daisuke Sakimoto has an importance for being you know like the the king of the Japanese indies like he's been that not just this decade but the previous decade too like just going like going out everywhere, or giving maximum effort and just busting his ass in every promotion and having really good matches everywhere. But I think I'll, I'm personally going to put more stock into Jay lethal, transforming himself into a legitimate top star that people buy as a best wrestler in the world caliber act more than Sakimoto just going around and having good matches everywhere. I'm not sure that's right, but just when I think of this particular, this particular poll, I think stuff like that is going to matter a little bit more to me than it did in the GWE.
1: Hmm. I mean, it's, I think it just reflects what, what you're into. Like you're, you're more into personal growth and, and like what, what a wrestler does with their perception of themselves, as opposed to just like the sort of work that they put in week in and week out.
0: That's, um, there's going to be, there's going to be something that's definitely going to be a trend. Uh, Zach is going to be a guy that benefits from that for sure. Kenny Omega is going to benefit from that for sure. Um, Sammy Callahan, I think, is a gonna, guy that's is going to get hurt from that. Totally. Like, For me. <laughs> like, like, 100%. He's going to be a guy that, like, gets absolutely annihilated just based off, like, where he was at the beginning of the decade. And even if he isn't, I wouldn't call him a bad wrestler now. Sure. Just, like, being a victim of his own power more than, like, I, I, I would dare to say, like, anybody in a long long time like yeah he's just a victim to his own power and I know like you being a CZW guy like like that like really bothers you more than a lot of more than like more than about a lot of people so I guess I'll throw that to you like Sammy Callahan like first three years of the decade very arguable like best wrestler on the planet caliber guy goes to NXT has a very weird run um i think even at the time he was a weird signing for them just because like where the fuck does sammy callahan fit in like anything they do
1: yeah like i at at the time like i had argued that john was going to be john moxley was going to be like a great signing for them and i think in some ways i was proven right in some ways i was proven wrong um but like sammy in particular was such a bizarre thing where it was just it was just an example of like oh this guy's getting buzzed in in a in a promotion that we're gonna start <laughs> stealing people from <laughs> that we're gonna start like lifting people from wholesale, uh, and it's yeah it just never fit. Like he's such a he's such a weird case. Like definitely one of the most buzzworthy wrestlers of the early part of the decade. And even when he returns from WWE, I think he does still have like a year or so of strong
0: work in him. His 2016 is really good. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> like 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 I'm not I can't sit here and act like it isn't like yeah. I, I think up until... When, when would I say starting started getting, like fatigue, like, fatigue from Sammy? I think by, like... So when like he starts doing the ball. cat mask shit? Yeah, it's like by Bola. I think yeah. I'm getting Sammy fatigue. But from his return in December 2015 to, like, everything up until then, like, Sammy is fantastic. Uh-huh. And I think this was what happens when one, Sammy, Sammy's a vet, like, he came, he came into the Indies as a kid and, like, really worked his way up, and he, then he took the years off and came back, yeah. and when Sammy comes back, like, Sammy is one of the vets on the scene now, in a in a scene where there aren't a lot of those guys left, because your Davey, your Davey Richards and your um Eddie Edwards, they're an Impact now, so they're not really around these guys as much. Chris Hero just came back, um, but now everything else is like the new crop of guys and it's a wide it's, it's like really so wide open for a guy like sammy that has the tenure and has the uh the name to really just make it like make his impact and make his point and bring his bring in his own guys really do everything in his style and his vision and in a lot of ways like like it's like great for sammy that like he could do that uh, but it's also like like, maybe, like, one of the things where, like, I can point to, like, something going wrong this decade, as far as, like, something can go wrong, like, you know, from our, like, nerdy, like, wrestling fan perspective. Like, yeah, like, Sammy like, could have still been really great, but it felt like the power and the platform, just, he just erased, like, everything that people, like, that people like us liked him for for the most part.
1: It, it was... Like, I think it was a branding thing, really. Like, he got cut mm. up. It, I'm just kind of surprised we didn't talk about him when we did that podcast last year about, like, the the, the people who have, like, benefited. Like, the people, who, like, the most influential wrestlers of the mm. modern day. Like, D- Sammy definitely is a guy who who cultivated a brand and then has used that to wield his power over, like, various parts of the American Indies to, like, a shocking degree. Not even the American... Fight Club Pro.
0: Like, sure, totally. Like look at like look at him like getting, or like look at like his influence and getting people like the Rascals, and um, Oi 4K, and Fight Club Pro and doing and doing it's, a lot of stuff over there. DDT too. Yeah, it's really insane. Like the he fucking brainwashed
1: a hero Irie. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, someone who wasn't not the best brain to begin with, but like yeah, like, com- completely broke his brain. Totally. Um, and that's, that I think is a big part of like what Sammy, what happened to Sammy this decade. Like, I think it's, it's worth noting he is 31 right now. That means he started this decade when he was 21. Yeah. And so like a lot of shit happened to him when he was extremely young and, uh, specifically with WWE signing him, like he, they signed him when he was younger than me right now and like really fucked with him in a big way. And it like, it's not, especially based on like. What I knew of him from before then, like it's not too surprising that like he would get like such a such a high opinion of himself, which was not at the time unduly like unduly considered. I guess like he definitely still was a very talented wrestler, but recently he's lost so much steam just as a worker and has become so unappealing as this like <laughs> this little like dictator of various sex within WWE or within uh, American Indian wrestling,
0: and it's just and then it's like. Like like well, he got public. He got well, got you know. Uh, so many wrestlers believe in any press is good press mentality, but he got publicized for uh, breaking Eddie Edwards' face with the baseball bat and leaning so hard into it. Yeah, and it's like like it's again, people. any he is good heat, and he yeah. press is bad press, and he leans into when he's carrying a baseball bat with him all the time, and like I'm not gonna sit here and act like it didn't at least work in Impact. I think clearly it worked in Impact to the point where he's the top heel in the company. I guess. And, like, main eventing and shows and the fan base there, like, loves him and, like, really believes in him. So, I can't even act like this. I can't even sit here and act like it failed or didn't work. But it's... Something like watching him in AEW versus David Starr. Mm-hmm. In... It's really uncooperative in an unappealing way. It's like really, like really worked, shooty, and uncomfortable in ways that, like, I think most of the time, me and you might actually like. Mm-hmm. But for in this instance, in like what Sam, with what Sammy is, yeah, it just feels like like ollie just like strange and not, in a way that like it doesn't, it just doesn't fit at all.
1: And not just like what he is, as in like who he is behind the scenes and like in the, the sort of power he exerts in these promotions but also like who he is as a worker at this point like he is sh- shockingly sloppy in that match and it's and it's like such a far cry from like who he was 10 years ago you know um and it's also just like kind of a weird thing to see from a guy who's like 31 like far be it from me to like pass judgment on a fucking professional athlete and me is a tub of lard at 25 but like i don't know it's, it's it's real weird to see like the trajectory the guy's career has gone over the last couple of years because like even just a few years ago like i was loving stuff he was doing
0: mm. you really like that like you know the 2017 stuff with a uh, low-key like low-key elgin and the, i think there was even some other some other stuff you like from him
1: yeah it's 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 like he's still a talented wrestler but like it's it's such a strange example of a guy getting caught up in his own hype or at least doing it in such a public facing way that it's like shit, I cannot I cannot abide this anymore.
0: So a couple of times of a couple of times over the course of this podcast, we've touched on the peak over consistency trend uh that's attached to the 2010s. And where do you think um I guess that leads to like people um just really overexerting themselves and we're in like I guess injuring themselves in the, in this process of chasing the moment. Yeah. And one of those cases is um obviously Daniel Bryan. Uh, a real case of like chases of chasing the moment, I think, even though like those were years and years of injuries being built up. And I think this is something that people are still waiting for with um Will Ospreay, you know Will Ospreay just going so hard as as long as he has been. Totally. And a lot a lot of people like we thought he was slow down in 2016 and the guys wrestled in two like month long tournaments. And eventually people like we like we're expecting like Ospreay to just have something happen to him. And we've been waiting for Hiroshi Tanahashi who's 42 to eventually slow down or when his body when is his body going to break down? And in this peak over consistency era, do you feel like this like that now that like, you're more concerned than ever for like a wrestler's safety?
1: Yeah, very much so. Like I, um, I'm not sure if I could tell you where I came from. Like it's, I think it's sort of a self self fulfilling prophecy, uh, a chicken and the egg sort of thing, where it's like I don't know if if people. And by people, I mean wrestlers. I don't know if wrestlers themselves decided like, oh, we're going to start working harder and more often simply because this is what fans want or if it was like a fans and, and fans then were like caught on to that or if it was a fans wanting that and then wrestlers changing to fit that mold. I'm not sure. Um, but it's it's definitely something that does concern me. I've written plenty of times about like how I think, how, I, how I'm worried about the ways in which people are putting on big, high-profile matches in which they're getting like supremely hurt, sometimes like career-endingly hurt or life-alteringly hurt, um, and I think that's starting to catch on more and more. Like as much as I'd never want to see someone get hurt, like I think, I think even more than the Shibata stuff, I think the recent uh, Ibushi Naito match opened a lot of eyes in regards to this sort of thing. Um, and it's definitely like it's definitely been a uh, it's definitely been a factor in how wrestling has unfolded in the 2010s. Like, I think people, I think wrestlers choosing for whatever reason to work harder and to work more often has led people to getting hurt more, and has like led to fewer cases of like consistency, like because people just like simply cannot keep that pace up for long. Um, and I'm worried about where it goes in the twenty ten or the 2020s, like because I don't think people are going to slow down at any point. Um, especially not with like the rate that like stars are being made and then forgotten in this industry. And it's, I don't know, like it, we're, I think we're very literally going to reach a breaking point and I'm scared about what it's going to be.
0: This stuff is always really fascinating for me because I think I land, I think I land more in the camp of like shit is dangerous and as much as we want. Uh huh people to like or wrestlers to realize like hey man you don't know if I, like do this all the time like wrestlers are gonna wind up doing what they want to anyway yeah you, and like that, you,
1: you come from a sports background that i do
0: not right and even like as an athlete i can attest to like being like 15 14 years old doing shit like playing through injuries uh-huh. that no one told me to do that no one forced me to do that no one told me to like dive at someone and like land on my head or like nearly like break my arm trying to do something like no one told me to do these things or take a play off and I'm not comparing myself to like the best like to like the best sure. <laughs> professional wrestlers that there are in the world but that is a mentality when you like put yourself into that world though mm-hmm. when you put yourself into that position that you're so dedicated to this craft you're so dedicated to being the best you can be. That you're gonna do dumb shit reg- regardless of whether or not you think anyone else is gonna like it. And the the Bushi match is one where like I can't imagine a world where like Kota Bushi is like, oh yeah, like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stop doing these drops on my head because people are like, oh yeah, I'm, I can get hurt by I can get hurt from doing that. Like a Kota Bushi is like such a specific one, but believe- even like the guy he's in the match with Tetsuya Naito who was like been doing that just, like just as long i, I can i can't imagine him just being like oh yeah like people said stop doing that so i'm gonna stop like that's who they are that's like what they decided they wanted to be or how they expressed their art and it might be like a little hard to watch sometimes but that's what that's what they're gonna do and i think more than anything this sort of um just constantly killing yourself in matt in matches thing one, I think perspective matters, because people were saying people were saying a lot of the same things about uh, guys that we might like like relatively like view as safe now by our standards. You know, like your Ric Flair's, your steam your steamboats in the seven in the seventies and eighties, and then your Rey Mysterio's. Like you look at those lucha guys, and a lot of those lucha guys are like getting pretty safe landings in in Rey Mysterio's heyday compared to a lot of the stuff we're seeing now. Sure, and. I, I do think you can look at this stuff and be like, "Wow, like we're getting like really fucking crazy," but I think what it, I think what a lot of it, what it comes down to is uh the gift culture, like the internet culture that we've been bred in, and like what these wrestlers have been bred in. We we can't forget that a lot of these guys grew up on the, grew up on the internet just like us. Uh-huh. Will Ospreay being like twenty five, like Zach, like Zach is only thirty. Walter's only thirty. Barbaro Cavanario um, is between the two of us, I think. Yeah, like your your Dragon Lee's, um, got guys like countless other young guys are all over the internet. Your you know Kyle like Kyle Fletcher, like twenty years old. Tyler Bate, Pete Dunn, Mark Andrews, like they, they these guys are all over over all over the internet. And I do think on some level we do have we do have guys doing things like, man, if I do this, like is going to go all over the place Uh and that's something i would really love to like have at least some sort of interview about like out there discussing is i feel like it's something that people haven't really talked about so i want to know if that's how some wrestlers really think because i think you'd agree that like it feels like it feels like that sometimes Mm -hmm. that they're chasing the moment they're chasing the uh being the viral sensation because that's and, that's
1: money in the pocket, man. Like that's yeah. like that's how you make it in this
0: business. That's how you make it in in a
1: decade in which like there has never been more to watch, and that there has never been like more people watching. Like not like there have definitely been periods of time in which there have been more people watching wrestling, but like the rise of social media and the ways in which like wrestling opened itself up to new forms of fans in this
0: decade. Right, like, like you know, like you know, like the European like the European wrestling boom totally. is that. Irish whip wrestling existed in the two thousands and only people that saw it were like the people that were like live in it, like live in attendance mm-hmm. or like the scattered or like the, like some of the scattered taste that were like making it around or like whatever st- like shit that you might find on YouTube.
1: Right. And the, and like, the nobody and the Prince Devitt in Irish whip wrestling in 2004, probably isn't going to kill himself because it's not going to make it out there and it's not going to do big things for his career, but like the Prince David, Prince David equivalent here in 2019 in Ireland, like definitely feels that way because that is how people are making money. That is how people are getting these big contracts with Mark NFL fail sons. Like it's, (laughs) it's, it's how things have gone and it's not going to stop anytime soon.
0: And with that, like obviously that's the thing that, it can be discussed whether that's a good, like that's a good or bad. Sure, but with the like, with the with the decade, it's. I think it kind of, um, I think in your words, it's sort of like skews the collective perspective of fandom. Uh-huh. And reading this, I like I'd like for you elaborate more on, on on what you're meaning here. Is that do you feel like because we're on social media that it skews like how big something is relative to like what it's actually doing out in the world well in the way you phrase that makes me think of like
1: um <laughs> makes me think of like uh oh it's the word i'm looking for makes, makes me think of like the outrage of the day like, makes me think of, like, the big dust-ups on Twitter and, and, like, their relative importance in the world. Like, even within the world of wrestling, let alone the larger world. Um, I think that is definitely something that we could think about more and we could just realize, like, oh, hey, it's probably just some, like, dumb internet shit that we can we'd need to move past already. Um, no, but more than that, like, I think, I think, like, social media in the 2010s, like, opened up opened up room for new fans to make their voices heard. And in, and in like one of the notes that I took here is like, I think it democratized fandom and democratized like discussions within these fandoms um, in a certain way. But it, it also like, it also like fundamentally changed the way that we talk about wrestling in ways that we have not come to confront really. Like uh, I, I think a lot of new fans think about wrestling in a different way than you and I did when we first got into wrestling. And they definitely think about it differently than how we think about it today. Because like we just had, we have lived different experiences, not just in life, but within our wrestling fandom. Like those sorts of people have never had to like really dig through like the, the dregs of the internet to try to find a match or have never had to like buy a tape from somebody to see something or have probably never like dug into a a forum too hard to like um to like discuss like this one thing that you really love with the only other people in the world who know about it um and that like fundamentally flavors the way that people think about wrestling and talk about wrestling and discuss it with other people Um, and it's something that like we have not really come to grips with do you
0: think Again, like, there's, like, one of those things that can have, like, good and bad. But, like, personally for you, do you think that that stuff has been, like, better or worse for wrestling as far as, like, you've seen things go?
1: It's, like, objectively a good thing because I think a lot of... I think a lot of that democratization allowed for people who were everything other than hat white men to talk about yeah, wrestling. Uh, and I think, like, objectively that is a good thing. Uh, but it's 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 also just like changed things in such a way like it's it's um i think it has changed things to where wrestling even more than it has in the past appeals to like the lowest common denominator um and i think it has changed things to allow for the likes of gift culture and allow for the likes of like social media and and just doing things for the hits like regardless of like what it does to your body or or what it does to your career even um and, it, and it's like that, like again, like it's just, it's something that we have never talked about. It's never, it's something we have never confronted as a larger fandom. In part because like we have now grown to be such a wide encompass, like widely encompassing and extremely flat fan base in which like a lot of people are talking, but not everybody is talking to each other in the same places anymore.
0: Mm. And even like with the talking, like not a lot of like listening, like going sure. through, like you could, like you can follow somebody that's like, really big into like a certain scene but you're also like just like scrolling past it to go like to, the, to go to the people whose opinions you actually care about sure and a lot of the time I think it feels like talking to a void you know like putting something out there and you know like no like no like nobody like nobody reacting to it or you just like sticking to your own circle of like circle of friends like I guess like I'm like we're guilty as we're guilty of this as anybody of course but I think this like really does come down to like making everyone's perceptions different because we all get like so insulated in whatever and whatever groups and fandoms or uh small little chats we become a part of like we like all band together over certain things and then go out and outside and then go like outside of like the confines or whatever chat and was like oh shit like wait you guys don't like you guys don't like Zach Gibson as much as as much as we do over here. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, who doesn't like oh, Zach? Oh, who doesn't like Zach Gibson? Oh, I'm just saying, like, like it's like we think like Zach Gibson, like wow, like probably should have been the progress champ, like was maybe one of the best wrestlers in the world at some point. Sure, and it's like oh, like oh, Zach Gibson's fine. It's like wait, what? You think Zach Gibson's fine? Like, and I think stuff like that, like really, just like brings sort of a shock when you're like, oh shit, like you don't think this person is great too, or. Wow, like you like this match like way more than I've seen like any of my friends like this match, and I think everyone's gonna have like the, like their go to people. Um, I think for you, I think for you, you have like the like the Segunda Ga- um, Segunda people that are like go like they're like go to for you, like especially with like stuff like the uh, more under the radar CWF stuff. Uh-huh. From CWF was um getting um getting watched, and I think like, I have like was more like friends that I talk to on a regular basis that I'm more into more inclined to listen to but I definitely would still call that like a net positive um someone you have down here that I think is also an interesting conversation is uh Claudio Castanoli Sass slash Cesaro and with Claudio here um one victim of booking i think we i think we can call i think we can call it that not even in a way of like he hasn't done anything he's just been doing the same thing for like so long now right uh with with the bar and everything and he was someone he was someone that by like 2015 2016 people were like man is this guy like the best wwe guy of the decade
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and stuff like that and I don't know. He feels like another one of those guys that like deserve a re- deserve a um a reevaluation or a, re- a reevaluation just because he feels like one of those guys we just accepted are great. And you named them in Daisuke D- 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 Sakimoto and um Shingo Takagi, as guys that have just like been accepted like, "Oh yeah, like they've been great the- they've been great the whole 10 years." And I wonder if there's any more people like that for you where you're where you're thinking like Man, like, we probably just should talk more about them. And, like, not the... like We talked we, talked, we talked about the Lucha guys, like your Nigger Casas, your Various. Hmm. But is there anyone else for you where you're just, like... Feels like we just would, like, say it more than actually believe it? Um, I don't know if it's... I don't know if this
1: is a situation in which people say it more than they believe it. But uh, I think we could definitely take another look at the career of Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, because like this decade was the decade that like he turned around a lot of folks that did not enjoy him in his first decade, then the first decade of his career and rightly so. Um, and I think a lot of people in the first five, six years of this decade were over the moon about him. Like he was pretty uniformly loved by anyone who watched new Japan and was one of the biggest names in the world. Once new Japan really caught on with a larger fan base, uh, but I'm not sure how much that stuff holds up. And I especially think that his work in WWE has been kind of atrocious and people like recognize that he is taking it easy as like an older guy, as a, as a banged up guy who's just like here to make some money. And like, there's nothing really wrong with that. But I think people, um, I think people parlay that with a, uh, with, um, with an assumption that he was great every step of the way in the earlier part of the decade. And I think that's something like, I I think he's like more inconsistent than a lot of people would, would really think about. Um, as is the case with like a lot of pro guys, to be fair. Like that's like, like that's just one thing that separates Japanese wrestling from like, especially American indie wrestling. Like people are having like less big matches. Therefore like their big matches are sometimes a little more hit and miss. Um, And I think Shinsuke Nakamura is like one of the biggest beneficiaries of people just assuming like, oh, like all of his stuff is great. Therefore, we don't ever have to think about it again. And I think like he's definitely someone for at least for me who like is going to be negatively impacted if I go back and and rewatch
0: some of that stuff. Do you think it's like again like there's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be one of those things where people were so like so positive on Shinsuke like. Then, like the pendulum swung, and people because of the WWE run are gonna underrate, underrate Shinsuke in some ways. But as far as the guys, the guys in New Japan, your Okada's, Hanahashi's, Naito's, Ibushi's, um, Kushi I guess I could, I would throw like a, a Kushida in there too. As guys that like consistently been getting singles matches uh-huh. throughout the decade. Where right now would you say? shinsuke lands for you at at least as far as those guys dude i don't think he
1: i don't think he's anywhere but last
0: like really okay even
1: even compared to naito i think he's kind of lacking and like historically i have not liked naito and like i was kind of won over by the the lij the lij gimmick at first and then i have turned hard on it since then (laughs) um but he is a guy who i recognize like i really should Go back and look at his babyface stuff again because, like, I hated it at the time. But rewatching it, rewatching like one match of his from 2014 made me think, "Oh shit!" Like, there's definitely some stuff here that like I should revisit because I think I'll like it a lot more the second time around. And I think Naito is probably at the back end of that list. And there's no way I think hi- more highly of a Nakamura rewatch than I think of Naito's rewatch. Hmm.
0: There is there is some there is some stuff obviously with a. Uh... Nakamura that is gonna get talked about. Like obviously it's gonna be the Ibushi stuff, it's gonna be the Tanahashi stuff, gonna be the Okada matches. Um some people might even say it to the Wrestle Kingdom 10 AJ match. But for me, the match where oh, I went back and watched a couple of Nakamura matches. Yeah. one of them was the Ishii G1 match from uh twenty fourteen. Yes. Like, like re- really, really great. Loved it. But there was another one versus uh, Hiroki Goto, and it's not any of the 2015 matches because I genuinely like <laughs> hate everything. I hate everything that happened with that feud. But I think we're talking like 20. I think we're talking like 2013 here, and I think I think I kind of forgot like how much I like Nakamura when he's on. Sure, and I've heard him compared to like Brock Lesnar in the past of like when he's on like. There's nothing like him, and okay. I think we, like like I, th- I think it's gonna be like a weird thing to try to balance out because like you said you said it yourself is that Nak is way more inconsistent than I think a lot of people would realize even mm-hmm. in his New Japan work and it's not a, it's not just that he's inconsistent he is willfully
1: inconsistent yes like he is he's like, very much a guy who who sleepwalks through matches
0: <laughs> totally and. I feel the same way about Brock in a lot of, in a lot of instances. Totally. And I'm not going to say it, but, like, we, we have plenty of Brock performances. Um, the 2015 the 2015 Triple Threat, the Finn Balor match from this year, and um, the Roman match from, from WrestleMania uh, 31, where you're just like, man, holy shit, like, despite, like, everything this guy stands for, like, the, fuck. The like Cena match in 2012? Yeah, like, you're like, oh, God, like, this is, like. Like transcendently great, uh-huh. and I still feel like that with Nakamura in a lot of cases, even outside of like the super obvious ones. But I mentioned Brock there, and um Lesnar is someone where the booking, like one of the, like the, well, another one of the cases where the booking is gonna really, really hurt him, totally for some for some people. But like as much as I'm gonna try my best to like not think about it when I go back and watch some Lesnar stuff, is is he someone where, like, where for you, like, everything that he stands for, everything that he's done in uh, his uh, second WWE tenure, like, just, like, um, morally, like, the way he's uh, sandbagged people at various points, like, you know, your Ambrose's and Braun Strowman's, like, like, regardless of, like, what your thoughts on, like, those guys' ceilings were, like, him... Like clearly shitting on those guys, uh, even like and I don't know who you blame more in this scenario, but something like like Roman Reigns finally getting his win over mm-hmm. Brock Lesnar, but it's after he gets distracted by um, Braun Strowman on the outside, and Roman Reigns has a surprise has a um, a surprise spear, and uh, Brock Lesnar doesn't even sell the spear that much, <laughs> so. So it's like, is that stuff gonna color Brock for you more than, um, more than I'm thinking? Because I feel like you're gonna like Brock a lot, regardless yes. of uh, a lot of that stuff.
1: Yeah, like I've, I'm very publicly a big Lesnar fan, like, and have remained pretty staunchly so in spite of a lot of the wrestling fan base turning against him. Um, and I don't think anyone is wrong to really, like, I, I think, I think people are sort of overblown. In how much they hate him, or how much like they're they're willfully trying to overlook his good matches, but um, I don't necessarily think anyone is wrong to hate the bullshit he is mired in. Um, I think it's it's a hard thing because like he has so little to go on. Like you could watch all of the matches he's had this decade in a day, and 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 when you are having those like that few, uh, like that that when you are having that is it few fuck English is weird when you're having that small amount of matches like bad shit uh and specifically bad shit that you were that you are like purposefully doing uh bad shit is really gonna weigh heavily on you and I'm not sure if all of the Lesnar stuff I love this decade is enough to outweigh like all the bullshit he has mired himself in um I think I think what's really going to help is like he had several good years there for a while where that wasn't popping up or people didn't perceive that it was popping up. So like 2012, 2013, 2014, even so far as 2015 I guess, like people are still behind him in big ways and I think that's going to help. Um and then after that, who knows? Like I think I, I think people aren't necessarily wrong to dislike him after that, but he still puts on a lot of good matches that I like, so like, he'll, he'll definitely make my list. There's no doubt about that, but I'm not I'm not sure where it's going to be.
0: You have Minoru Suzuki as someone that's highlighted here. And Minoru, Minoru Suzuki is someone where, I think, again, like, perception and, like, wanting to like him and, like, liking the idea of him, I think sort of outweigh, like, his actual, like, in-ring legacy. I think that's more of a GWE talk, but in the 2010s, he's been very active. Hmm. Um, most active, most active he's um, he's ever been, and in this group you have a big group of um older wrestlers yeah. that are um either um still wrestling or and you know, um can no longer wrestle or recently retired in case of uh, in cases like Yoshihiro Takayama, Finley, Atlantis, um, oh wait, did Angle. Atlantis retire. Uh, well no, like I mean Atlantis is still around. I didn't mean it's okay. It's like shit yeah. <laughs> No, <laughs> so he's still there. Um but uh Triple H on part on a part time schedule and I think like uh, clearly with Atlantis we're not gonna be getting him uh, totally. at as a top guy anymore. Yeah. But um what about Minoru Suzuki makes him such an interesting candidate to you for the decade?
1: Well so you you brought up this idea that like people like the idea of him more than what his actual output is. Um, and I think that's true but I, I, I kind of want to like reframe that idea like I think people like the idea of him and focus more on that idea than what he actually does put out in the ring um, and don't think of him as um, as the, the level of worker that he really is or at least that I perceive him to be um, and in you know, full disclosure like I do think he is incredible he's one of my absolute favorite wrestlers of all time so take everything I say here with a, a, a small pinch of salt um but yeah like i I drew up like a a list of his contemporaries like people who are about the same age as him um specifically what i meant what i mean is like i drew a list of people who started this decade in uh their 40s and are now ending the decade in their 50s like minoru suzuki is uh suzuki started i think he was 41 and a half years old when 2010 began and is now going to end 2019 at 51 um, and so that puts him in the same rough ballpark as guys like Nick Rokasas, Fit Finlay, Blue Panther, Atlantis, Jushin Liger, The Undertaker, L.A. Park, Yoshihiro Takayama, Yuki Shikawa, Yuji Nagata, Kurt Angle, Virus, Mephisto, The Great Sasuke, Triple H, Dick Togo, and Junakiyama. And like, those are all legends, like, like, great wrestlers on their own, right? Like people who we should be looking up to, but not necessarily people who had like the strongest decade. And I think that's where Suzuki stands out to me is like in comparison to his peers, in comparison to people of his same veteran status, like he has like a, a deceptively strong decade. Like I look at like his, I look at his top matches from 2019 through 20, uh, or I'm sorry, 2010 through 2019. And like, he's got the uh, steel cage match with masakatsu Fanaki in all Japan. He's got the, I mean, honestly, two matches with Tanahashi. In 2012 that are both great uh he has the 2014 aj styles match in the g1 the 2015 ghc title match with takashi Sagura, uh 2018 dome show match with haruki goto and and then the tanahashi ic title match later that month and like all of those are like i think top tier match of the year candidates and he has like five or six of them in a decade when like all of his peers do not have those. Like there's a couple guys who who might be able to challenge him. I think Negro Casas is up there. LA Park is up there. You might say the Undertaker if you're a weirdo.
0: I would say I would say like Junakiyama totally has has a really good chance. Um, Dick Togo too. Yeah, Junakiyama, Dick Togo, Park, um, Veers. Uh, i guess your i guess your mileage is gonna vary on liger sure but i guess like the three for sure for me would be part akiyama and um virus yeah
1: and like and if that's like if that's the conversation you're in if that's like the company you're keeping i think that's a pretty good place to be really like i think that should put you higher on 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 these lists than people are going to vote for him like i think i think suzuki is a guy who gets overlooked as a worker sometimes just because he's like such a, such a big personality or, uh, or because he's like such a, such a popular guy with like the worst kind of new, new Japan fan. And I totally, <laughs> I totally understand like really being turned off on, uh, turned off of him by that.
0: I, I do eventually want to think the, the conversation is there to be had about his, about his GHC title run. Uh uh-huh. And the noah run in general too like i think yeah um i'm not sure if this makes me uh noah 2015 truther but <laughs> i've never i never thought that his matches were bad like yeah, he was the he was the guy who was doing good work there i thought all i thought all of the mara Fuji matches were pretty good right the sagira the sagira match um there's takiyama match was like really like just mm-hmm. bloody and kills and mean it's like Insane, like the, um, a, a decent Maybach Taniguchi match. Yeah, and then like like once we like we get like we get to Nakajima, mm-hmm. and I don't know, man. Like <laughs> I feel it feels like one of those things where like the booking and like the um the business took way more um took way more um uh, attention than the work that was going on in the promotion. Yeah, and people just like associated bad crowd, bad wrestling with uh, Minoru Suzuki in his run, and I don't know, like, maybe this is like something that other people will wind up doing after this, but like, I would write, I would like to see some people go back to that 2015 Noah stuff and see how they come away feeling, because mm. I don't think this is, I, I don't think it's much worse than some of the best stuff he's been doing in New Japan since, since he's come back. Sure. At, le- at least on an individual performance basis. Um but a lot of these guys here um are more like annual like really good match once a year guys like Virus has been like that guy for like the entire decade like at least one really good Virus match is going to it's going to pop up whether it's in CMLL or an in, or on an indie you're going to at least like get like one great Virus match that pops up on a lot of like indie indie lucha match of the year list uh Mephisto, you know Same like, deal. like his he's gonna get his annual title match. Like this year is this year is, it was Dragon Lee, and other years it's been um uh, TN and other guys and other guys of that elk. Yeah, I but, think I
1: think last year it was um
0: Oh shit, what's his name? Who's the young baby face I like? Sobrano. Sobrano, yeah. I think last year was Soberano. Yeah, and he he's gonna have he's gonna have those matches all the time, but That's about like that's those are the only two good Mephisto matches you're gonna get right for the year, but think it, but we also think of it in like who are his contemporaries Mm. and Mephisto still having like this, like these quality, quality of matches, like pushing his age, like even like once a year is wild. Um, I'm not sure. Have you seen Negro Casas versus uh Sobrano Jr.? Was that this year? Yeah, no, um, they might have been like a month ago. No, I haven't seen it. Um, it, it's not as good as the Negro Casas best stuff we got from 2016, like the uh, who fuck, who do you fucking the Volador, the Volador hair match, sure, or yeah, even, or even like the um Echicero match from uh, Monterrey that was making it around since 2016. But still, like really good and like sort of like restored my faith in like Negro Casas. Like, oh yeah, like really like can still go out there and have like these good title title match singles matches. Um, but. I feel like someone that you left out there that I'm sort of surprised that you don't think he's had a better decade is uh, Yuji Nagata. And I'm not, I don't think he's someone that would make a lot of top 100s or even will necessarily make mine. But it feels like Nagata perennially is a a guy that sort of gets overlooked. And with Minoru Suzuki, he gets, like with with Minoru Suzuki, um, you talk about like the personality and the aura sort of uh over like overshadowing his actual work. And I think Nagata being so likable um in his old man stage has also sort of made people forget like, oh yeah, Nagata can have really good matches whenever whenever he's allowed to. And I really liked him in every G one he was in for the decade, but but I think because we relegated him to the dad role so quickly that we sort of stopped taking Nagata seriously. And I think uh, there's a few guys in here that suffered that suffered from that. And uh, do you think not te- not taking people seriously is a thing that happens with more wrestlers and just like the older guys, or is that something that sort of just happens once you reach a certain age?
1: No, that is that is definitely a perception thing among fans. Like I think I think I don't know where you would really start with this, but like. I think that is definitely a thing among fans uh who just started watching wrestling the last couple of years. And I think a big part of it is just related to uh the perception around like part timers in WWE and like just immediately negatively thinking um of like thinking negatively of anyone who is over a certain age or who who wrestles like uh such a small amount of matches a year, uh usually in a very prominent spot, usually at the, uh, you know, usually to their own benefit and into the, I don't know, to someone else, someone else younger, someone else more popular getting fucked over. Um, but like, I think within wrestling, like, yeah, like a lot of people do just negatively think negatively about older people to begin with, just because like wrestling is very much a young man's sport. Wrestling especially over the last couple of decades has been very focused on athleticism. And that's like something that's very naturally going to diminish as people get older. Um, And as like, I think, I think we might find something of a turnaround um, with this, with this, like with new Japan's rise to prominence and like the rise of that dad role in new Japan and uh, the increasing, Popularity of just hard hitting wrestling, like I think people will start to realize like what sort of value the older wrestlers have. But I do think in a general sense, like wrestling has not been very kind to anyone over the age of like forty for a long time.
0: Yeah, it feels like the again, like this, like where lucha. Like I think definitely, um,
1: it differs. has a place.
0: He has a place in art because that's where. Like, these guys can keep going out there, yeah. and they'll get the singles match occasionally, and everyone's like, yeah, fuck yeah, like, new Blue Panther match. like, and well, I, and Not I, even
1: like, that, it's like, you think yeah. about, like, how old was Atlantis in 2014, or 2015, when he was main eventing the, the Anniversario shows? Right, right Like right. it, Like, CMLL specifically, but, like, Lucha in a general sense, like, does cater to those older people. It does very much say, like, you are a veteran, like, you... <sighs> like there's sort of this idea that like you have to be a certain age to even get to that height like you can still mm. like manifest event a big show but like there is like a certain caliber of a cmll wrestler that is only reserved for somebody who is
0: a little bit older and that's been true for decades mm. and whether it's like a good or bad thing like different like different discussion but like that's like been just been part of like the cmll structure for so long now and you're right like atlantis having those back-to-back Anniversario matches against um one against Ultimo Guerrero, someone that is more his contemporary in age and then a little bit younger. Um, he's, uh, like, he's like a La Sombra. He's like
1: Guerrero's like twelve years younger, I think. Yeah.
0: Like, yeah. yeah. Cl- closer than someone like La Sombra, definitely. Yeah, yeah, but closer than closer than um, La Sombra is. And it really it really does uh make me like make me wonder where, you know, a guy like Barbaro Cavernario, like where I'm gonna flat out say um it's probably gonna be my highest ranked guy from Mexico for the decade and it makes it makes me wonder like when like where we're gonna get like you know the cavernarios like the cavernario but defining match and it sucks that we didn't get it this decade but you know atlantis had to wait till 2000 sure to get to to get to get the viano tasera match yeah and I'm not saying Kevin I could, could even have something to that caliber or that I'm even putting that expect expectation onto him. Yeah. But it does take a while for these guys to get there. And for now we just would sort of have to have to accept when they're just going out there and having really good title matches or more like more and in, in, like inconsequential uh, hmm. hair matches. Like in the long run, as far as like, if like if Kevin I gets to like keep this up and he, stays on this trajectory of being like the top rudo in CMLL, CMLL. no one's going to remember him versus Rey Kameda for that for for in a hair match like the, that stuff isn't going to get talked about but let him keep building up his legacy and eventually when he takes someone's hair or someone takes his hair it's going to be this big deal hmm. but i i think it's a little i think it's um with Cabernario, him just being so consistently good without like that defining stuff is gonna hurt him for some people but since 2014 and granted like god what's Kevin Ario now like 25 he is 25 yeah gosh it's <laughs> like, nuts like, he's been having great matches since he was 21 yep in like, he's another one of those um, more like a half a decade cases but in CMLL especially where I don't think either of us are like big Volador fans No. Nah. um I think we can both say that Rush has been pretty inconsistent like during during his time in CMLL. Uh, La Sombra was, re- was really great, but La Sombra um, also gets taken by the, end, by, by the end of 2015. So what you're left with is your guys like Cavernario and Dragon Lee. And I'm more inclined to beat like vote higher on Cavernario just because while I like Dra- Dragon Lee, he just hasn't had that much stuff that I would call great post Haruma Takahashi.
1: He's plateaued and, in a big way.
0: Yeah, it's it's a conversation that I think a lot like people are gonna have to have eventually. But he's had he's had good stuff, but nothing ever since to that same level. And I mean, like like granted, like people peak young all the time, and that's also sort of unfair to do when someone is what like again like 24 or 25 like Dragon Lee is but it is it is really no like really um interesting to me that guys that are very much in contention for the best lucha guy of the of the decade are guys that aren't even 30 yet and then you get into your like more like be- like beerus types in rush types and LA Park types um that'll 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 be there but for you and i know that you um want to revisit some of this stuff more but is there a, is there a lucha guy that is standing out for you that you think have a chance of like being like some like top 20 because i know like because i know because i know we talked about like we're not like we're not also we're also not going to be guys that have like a whole bunch of lucha people super high yeah
1: um, i think cav definitely is a, a top contender there uh whether or not he ends up being my number one in that field i'm not quite sure um I think I think naturally I, I tend to gravitate toward the Maestro type um, and so like I think there's a couple of guys in that vein um, especially the ones who hit real hard <laughs> who I'm mm-hmm. going to think real highly of so like a Black Terry is probably going to do real well for me despite the fact that he's been um, he's been real hard the last couple of years uh, really what it is is I think once I like I I dig down and like try to find that try to find that that early decade stuff I think it's going to be Cerro who's going to end mm-hmm. up super high for me. Like, not, not necessarily a guy who, outside of, like, the 2013 match with uh, Charles Lucero, like, uh, not necessarily a guy who is having, like, some top-tier matches every year, but, like, a guy who is, like, consistently good and who is, like, very colorful and someone who I'm always down to watch. And, and like, in a decade which has been up and down as the 2010s have been, that's a, that's a really good quality that I think highly of.
0: Yeah, like, I get excited, like, oh, like, Echicero has a singles match coming up. Like, awesome. Like, I get actually excited went um to to see his name on a um CMLL um poster and that he that he has a singles match coming up. And I don't get that for a lot and I don't get that for a lot of people. Uh out of curiosity, did you ever watch Edge versus versus Ray Bucanero from twenty sixteen? Or twenty seven like twenty like <sighs> seventeen.
1: I don't think so. That doesn't ring a bell.
0: Okay. Um it was one of the Day of the Dead shows and like it was um super dark and, um... You know, Echicero, like, big, like, dark wizard type Ray Book sure. has it has his look and everything. So it just fit, like, aesthetically. But they just go out there and, like, kill it and Ray Book like, diving everywhere and, um, Echicero pulling out all his dives and creating crazy shit. And if you never saw it, I think that's maybe, like, maybe his, like, second or third best match of the decade. Okay. And um... He's a guy I like a lot too, but he also that also isn't like necessarily translating to like great matches all the time. Sure. So I wonder where you're going to land on something like that. And it feels like we've touched on every region so far, except for one, and that one being uh the European guys. Yep. And um, it's a good, it's a little bit of it's a little bit of a, a, bit of a tough one because. For a lot of for a lot of these guys, um, it's like, unless you're like you know like the Zach, uh, Marty Skrull, Walter, um, I guess even like Bad Bones types that are working WXW, you kind of have like two years, yeah, that are just off the radar, but because that's when everything from the Brit from Bret Rest starts making the rounds in 2012, and it isn't just progress starting, but Rev, but Rev Pro putting more stuff out. PCW, Fight Club Pro putting more stuff out. Um, and when we look at that, it's like a lot of these guys have like two years that's like taken off of their case. Yeah. But where you are right now and where you stand, who in the European scene or the, or someone that made a name in the European scene has the best chance of making it into your top 10, top 15, like, your tippy-top elite guys? And who is someone that you think um, is going to get hurt the most for you as you uh, get closer to the ballot time? I don't don't think anybody
1: from the European scene is going to get tippy-top for me. Like, Zach is the only one who has a chance, and I'm not sure if he's going to get there because... Like the last couple of years, he's been sort of falling off, and in, in the first part of the decade, like he he is really weak in a lot of ways. Um, as far as like somebody who's going to get hurt, like uh, I, I think who you're wanting me to talk about here is Walter, uh, who is definitely going to be lower when I actually vote than he would have been if I had voted like a year ago
0: or two years ago. Well, um, not even Walter, because like I like I knew where you stood. On um, Walter, like, like when we when we like, rewatch stuff, you were like, oh, like, okay, like, I guess he's not as great as I thought he was. But there's also people that we expected more of that either, like, you know, flash in the pan, like this decade has um has been prone to do, or they just have, like, been so, like, sort of like, disappearing into the background. And one person I think, like, that, like, is a clear, like, flash in the pan is Pete Dunne. Hmm. And then the other one, who I think sort of like disappeared, even though I think they saw potential to be great, is Tyler Bate. And obviously, like those guys are going to be connected at the hip from the uh, matches they've had against each other that got a whole bunch of wild praise, and uh, um, being in British Strong Style together. Like these guys are always going to be connected. In um, between, like those two guys, I think you sort of get the story of. Uh, the potential in British wrestling sort of hmm. falling or failing because Pete Dunne, I'm not going to call him Sammy Callahan, but, <laughs> oh but, boy. I think he has a lot of Sammy Callahanish qualities. That's I think that's fair. And I think he's a case where, look, Pete is like 25, 26. And Man, not even. He is, he is yeah. younger than me yeah like 23 24 yeah <laughs> like, yeah um got a, got a lot early granted he's been wrestling since he was a kid like literal kid but got a lot early and just like you talked about with sammy it might be something like shapes pete dunn for the rest of the, for the rest of his career like even if this whole wwe thing um winds up uh not working in wwe is like all right cool we don't need you guys anymore like bye-bye I can see Pete Dunne carrying a lot of these same qualities that he's developed in um, WWE hmm. as um, the last year or so has gone on, and Tyler Bate is somebody where I still think he has the potential to be like an elite wrestler in the world, but he just fades into the background like so effortlessly. Totally, it's he had like you no know, the way we talked about it with Roman is that Tyler Bate disappears for me. And then I look at the year, and I'm like, holy shit, like, it's like June or July, and I haven't seen, like, a single Tyler Bate match this year.
1: And I I think a lot of that is just his personality. He's kind of, like, he is very naturally an unassuming guy, Um, Mm. and he, like, exudes a lot of, I guess you'd call it charisma in the ring, like, he definitely presents himself as bigger than he is, but, like, it is, especially if you look at, like, his young, his, his, like, young matches his matches when he was younger like uh, like especially the early um british strong style stuff like he is a guy who is like more than happy to just stand on the apron and look good you know like yeah. he, he's not a guy who's like pushing pushing himself out there like he's not a guy who's like trying to stand out in a big way other than maybe just hitting a couple cool spots um but really as far as like someone who i think was who i think like did have a chance at at, at a spot on my list but probably isn't going to isn't going to end up on here just due to the way that the European scene f- unfolded in this decade. Um, I think it's someone like Mark Andrews who I, th- who I have known for God, a very long time. Fuck. Like I um, <laughs> just got really sad. Yeah. Like he's an extremely talented guy. I think he's like truly one of the better baby faces in the world today. and just does not get the opportunity to show it anymore. Um, and I've, and as with Dunn, I've been watching him since he was like 14, just because like he was in that backyard scene that I was in. Um, and so, like, I think really highly of him, but, like, he has not gotten the chance to show that off since, like, 2017, and even then, that was, like, the last little drips of it, and that's that's a real bummer.
0: Mark Haskins is a guy um, that pretty consistently has been able to showcase it. Um, like, now when Ring of Honor is getting a little bit harder because he's only been getting tag team matches, which again, like, I've been very good, but... You know, consistently since 2012 and and before that, other promotions. Mark Haskins has been uh getting opportunities to shine, and one of those uh lost generation young know, English guys in a lot of ways. Like start like starting around starting around that time, and sort of got robbed of um what would have been his big break when he gets injured in 2016. Right. So a lot of a lot of Mark Haskins, at least um at least for at least for this conversation is gonna be like damn like what if he doesn't miss like 'cause he, he's not miss Because hes because he's not gone super long. I think he winds up missing like six months, maybe even less. I don't recall. But but um the whole idea was that like yeah Mark Haskins like might not ever wrestle again. Like that kind of severity. And granted when you look at it it's like, oh wow, he wasn't really even really gone super long. But it's still the hottest period of his career and this goes even this goes Again, back to the Flash in the Pan talk where Mark Haskins is easily the hottest thing that's going on right that's going on at the moment in the uh English indie scene, and then he gets injured and it's like, oh well, shit, never mind. And now that we're here at Europe and England, um, we're getting we're getting close to the end of the show and I'm we'll gonna have a couple of questions for you after this. But The main thing has been this peak over consistency, a peak over consistency, flat flash in the pan conversation, and is it safe to say that England has been like the like like at the forefront of producing these like flash in the pan guys more than anywhere else in the world this decade? I don't know
1: numerically because i think there's like the united states is big and the united, yeah the united maybe, states... maybe,
0: yeah maybe not in the, maybe not in the numerical sense of like producing more but uh-huh. at least more like notable ones like the tra- yeah. like, like the travis banks of the world
1: yeah like definitely in like definitely definitely england has like put out a bunch of people all at once who like caught the like it's it's notable that like The 2015 bola you had like five or six like european guys coming in all at once and like really stealing the show and making names for themselves in the united states scene that like really did not know any of them for the most part um and like we've seen attempts at that since then and i don't think any of them have been nearly so successful and i'm i don't i'm not convinced that the australian one
0: is going to do so great this year Um, I, I i think i think we're like I think at this point we know like alright Australia it's not gonna happen (laughs) like totally like sadly me work Bob has
1: done well for himself but he's gonna be (laughs) the only guy um but yeah like that British scene like exploded with a bunch of young fresh hungry talent like a a bunch of young creative people but like they all through a combination of of like through a combination of like the culture they came up with the culture they came up in and the culture that received them worldwide as well as like the ways in which wwe like meddled with their with their um progression like i think that's a whole bunch of people who have been stunted in their growth as wrestlers and are going to be flashes in the pan simply because like they never had a chance to grow
0: a lot of guys are like again like they are super young yeah that we talked about like your pete Dunne's, tyler bates and and Flash Morgan and Flash Morgan Webster, no like, yeah, they're all <laughs> no, super Dar. Was like, was like fucking 21. Like, um, even guys that like, even the guys that were around for a really long time, like your um, Tommy Yen's and uh, Trent Sevens, you know, cutting their cutting their teeth before the European scene even became a thing that people cared about. Is that I, I can say that I think Tommy Yen probably reached his peak on the indies just like just because he was a top guy in wxw right forever but say like trent seven like and granted like this is like like the best possible career move for trent seven a guy that was definitely older and, like older in age not necessarily like as good of a or not not as good I think, as spectacular yeah not flashy um yeah not as spectacular as, as um, contemporaries were and i look at something like the trent seven versus walter match from the uh super strong style 16 Super strong style sixteen this year and i see a match that like god damn like really if it wasn't trent seven people would be talking about it more like I, <laughs> like and granted like the stuff that he did last year in nxt got a lot of buzz but keep in mind like roderick strong kyle o'reilly and tyler bait were like also in in those matches mm-hmm. uh-huh and I just I was sitting there just watching this Trent Seven Walter match. I'm like, fuck, man! If this was like anybody else, this be this be getting like sleeper match of the year talk. Like even like bad finish aside, like this be getting like, oh my god! Like wow, this valiant, courageous baby face is putting in like this career performance. Hmm. And because it's Trent Seven, it's like, uh, well, whatever. <laughs> but um, I guess now not now that we're nearing the end of this, there's only a. Two natural uh, questions to have. No, boy. I'm, I'm going to give you a choice. For this one, it can either be, gun to your head, who is your number one right now? Okay. Or it can be, who do you think you're going to be the high man on?
1: And I, I get to choose which one of these I want to
0: answer? Yeah, you get to choose which one of these. Because because like the other one is a little bit harder.
1: Okay. Uh, gun to my head i'm gonna guess i'm gonna say chris hero um i don't want to do the high man on because like i i'm really bad at guessing those i found <laughs> out like <laughs> you're gonna fuck we're gonna fuck
0: around and be like like oh yeah i'm gonna be the eddie kingston high man yeah and then some like some person's like eddie kingston on like 25 yeah
1: i never am the high man on that shit it's super weird um but no like i think chris hero like as i mentioned earlier like he's got three years in which i think he's the wrestler of the year this decade which is like a lot <laughs> and and even in his down years i think he is like in some ways i think hero really is like the platonic ideal of what i look for in a wrestler like the the sorts of roles he plays what he does in the ring especially with younger wrestlers especially with less experienced wrestlers um and the 2010s was like the decade that he really got to dig into that in a big way um and and so like i think like at least for the time being he is my number one
0: Gun to my head, I'm saying Brian Danielson, and uh, there's gonna be a there's gonna be the answer a lot of people give. I would I'd be shocked if Danielson doesn't wind up as the number one. Yeah, but uh, with the talk of like Danielson maybe being as like the undis- like, undisputed like like standard of the 2010 sort of like in a Ric Flairish way, I think that's sort of deceptive because Brian has done it all across the card he's not just some like Mm -hmm. oh yeah he was like a really great top guy and did really great top guy things Mm -hmm. brian worked his way up the card in wwe in a such a fashion that he like left no stone unturned like even the he first comes in the miz stuff the ziggler stuff well now even uh, before that like people
1: forget like he started the decade with a losing streak gimmick on nxt
0: yeah and like becoming like the most over thing on that on that television show until he's uh yeah. taken off of it and the next thing happens but when he's uh fired and brought back he um the mid stuff, the ziggler stuff, the uh stuff with Wade Barrett and Cody Rose, like the stuff that's on SmackDown that nobody cares about during that time period yeah he's putting in really good performances th- that entire time winning the money in the bank and transforming into this uh, we like weaselly hmm. cowardly delusional heel and somehow that transitions into being a really over baby face. Yeah. Like I don't think we ever give credit enough for like how fucking strange that is hmm. that that turned into a babyface gimmick that turns into him having one of the best streaks ever for TV matches in WWE ever. And this includes singles matches tag matches and six man matches mm-hmm. uh big title match stuff like people don't talk about the orton matches on pay-per-view as much as the tv ones right just because there's so much bullshit in the matches but those are some of the best orton matches of the decade he turned then he turns around and does stuff with the wyatt family like does more for the wyatt family than anyone ever did totally uh making, like, being, like, the best guy in matches, like, Elimination Chambers and Money in the Bank matches a couple of times. Gauntlet matches, too? Yeah, Gauntlet matches, everything, and I get it, that, like, Brian is sort of a unquestioned establishment Hmm. in a lot of ways, but I think running with the idea that he's gonna be, like, just, like, the flair of the generation misses the point that, like, no, like, this guy, like, Really did everything that you could have sat here and asked for for somebody, and is still doing that. Just this year, he was the was the WWE champion and gave credibility to guys like Mustafa Ali and Kofi Kingston. Totally, and now we now we sitting here with the tag team titles, having the best matches that Otis uh, Otis and, T- and Otis and Tucker are probably ever going to have. Uh huh. And he's been doing that the entire decade. And So, I think right now, from the big matches to establishing guys to working, like, literally everywhere on the card to, like, working surprisingly well in gimmick matches to working really good as a face and a heel for extensive periods, like, I think Brian just checks up every box. And I'm going to say, like, what I've always said about Danielson is that, like, I just don't get being like, oh, yeah, I don't see it with him because he does, like... He's does he's done everything. It's so <laughs> weird, and it's pe- and it's like people that I like too. Uh, yeah.
1: they're like, people oh, who should like know better.
0: better. Yeah, like he's done everything. But, um, but the other one I had was um, who do you anticipate being lower on than the consensus is like a surprise a surprising low man low man for you?
1: Well, it's. I don't know. It's weird. Cause like, what does the low man mean? Like the high man, like that's, that's understandable, but like the low man, like if I have somebody at 100 and they don't make your list, am I the low man or are you, you know what I mean? Right. And so like, there's, I think, I think, I think relative to like you having them on your list. Yeah, sure. Like there's definitely, I think there are definitely a lot of people who are going to make the lists of other voters pretty easily. And that I'll just like completely overlook or not have at all. Um, uh, we talked about Roman Reigns earlier. I'm definitely going to be lower on Roman Reigns than I think a lot of folks might be. Um, Shinsuke Nakamura fits the same role. Um, I might, I might just have to end up saying like Daisuke Sakimoto like based on like the sort of reception he gets from a lot of the people who are in our circles. Like he is, he's going to be somebody who. Like even compared to like where I was a couple of years ago, I'm gonna be like the low man against myself. Like hmm. like he's he's a guy who I'm definitely gonna, like I know I have I've sort of done it already. I haven't done it in the big way like in regards to his entire decade. That is that's that's going to happen with with like going back and rewatching his stuff. But like I know for a fact that I'm going I'm going to sour on him even more than I already have, and so he. Will probably still make my list.
0: Uh, not sure where it's going to be. I'm think I'm thinking about it right now, and I'm not sure that my person doesn't wind up being like uh, one contender. One contender for me is Dragon Lee, and another contender I'm thinking of. Um, God, I just I just had it. I just had it in my head, but it was a Dragon Lee. And I think maybe Roddy. Oh. I might I might be Loberon. And I think it's gonna be like be like have to revisit some Roddy. Sure. But uh pre pre 2015, mm. he has a he has a lot of good stuff. I'm not sure it's a lot of great. Yeah. But definitely a lot of consistently good. And then even post 2015, um he has a lot of good sometimes great but not like a lot of it yeah and i think um a lot of people have um really fallen in love with Roderick strong um definitely because
1: like it's every time i get on my timeline i see people who are who just think he's like the most vanilla dude in the world and it really gets to me
0: yeah yeah, i think that i think that might just be like the people you follow think because the people i follow like oh man Roderick strong is so good we gotta talk about this dude being one of the best guys of the decade like like so and i think he is clearly but i think um a lot of people that weren't necessarily watching ROH or PWG mm-hmm. or um the stuff that he was doing in DG USA are like just getting hip to Roddy and like, like they're like oh man like this guy is like great he's like he has a fantastic motor like wow how, how come people haven't talked about him more and while I'm like super glad for that because I think Roddy had like Roddy is someone that got uh, like really got unfairly maligned for a lot of his career right um I do think in turn gonna like in turn when I really go back and analyze it, Roddy might be someone that like while I think could like should be like top thirty for me, might want to be in, like top sixty top seventy. I hear that and, and and I think that like doesn't sound like super low to a lot of people, but for me and just like how high I think of Roddy, I would like to have him in that top thirty range. I'm not I'm just not sure I'm gonna be able to do that. Um. I think, we, I think we've hit everything that we wanted to hit here. Is there mm-hmm. um, anything else before we uh, sign out of here?
1: I don't know. I would tell people to actually go uh, start making threads on that forum, on the We Don't Know Wrestling forum, because it is pretty barren there.
0: Yeah, uh, the, I think the last post I saw was, what, March? Oh, it? Cause to... I was it? Because
1: I was looking at the, the We Don't Know Wrestling 2010s uh-huh. uh,
0: discussions, and everything was from 2018. <laughs> Oh shit. Um I think I think there's something from March. Okay. Maybe. Um but yeah, definitely get get on there and go um make threads, nominate your guys. This isn't gonna be something where if you don't nominate them, they're not gonna be eligible. You're not gonna be eligible to vote for them. Yeah. That's not like that's, that's not how it's gonna work. But you know, like start the discussion on some on someone that you think isn't gonna get talked about because mm. look, like, we miss like we missed some people on here that we wanted to talk about and I, I can guarantee you there's going to be people that, like, forget that are forgetting other guys, too. Yeah. And
1: make the case and challenge cases. Like, actually, like, discuss things, you know?
0: Yeah, so that's it. And um, go ahead and follow the uh, We Don't Know Wrestling Podcast Network at, what was it WDKWPN on Twitter? Think that's it?
1: I don't know. I think we should have looked this up before we
0: <laughs> oh, started <sure>. podcasting. <laughs> okay, hold on. Hold on. I know you can follow uh me and Tim in our podcast that Q A N D T R A R E. That's Q um,
1: and T R.
0: Q and T R. Um that like that that was um our specific uh hmm. handle for uh the podcast we do, so go ahead and follow that so I have uh more reason to use it and post on <laughs> it. Sure. But um yeah, I was right. It's D K W P D W D K W P N. So follow WWE on the no Wrestling Podcast Network if you haven't yet. Uh-huh. Go sign up for the forums. Go use the forums. Uh, thank you, Brock, for uh, wasting three hours on a Saturday once again doing this doing this podcast with me. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. You know this, put me on. Yeah,
1: nah. I used to love that bitch, though. <laughs> yeah, give me another. Kane, yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Remain, yeah, yeah, put me on.